Danielle McCartan. McCartan, before midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you up until 2 a.m. On this late Saturday night into Sunday morning here in New York City. Whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the rest of the next four hours. And of course, we are here in the Big Apple. Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. I've got two big announcements throughout the night. It's your lucky night, and I'll do those in the tops of the hours. I'm not going to tell you which ones, but they will be right at the top, and I cannot wait for you to hear what they are. And if, I, I will have a live in-studio. She'll be sitting to my right. Guest tonight, Maria Marino from SNY is going to pop over after her hosting duties tonight. She will be joining us at the stroke of midnight for some high-quality basketball talk about our New York Knicks and our Brooklyn Nets. And so this new format, again, has been working really well. So I'm going to open up with some Aaron Judge right now, and I want you to call me and Connor ASAP. And just a reminder, I'm taking calls in this first segment, so get aboard. 877-337-6666 at 12.38 p.m. on Friday. John Heyman was the first to tweet the all-important news regarding Aaron Judge. And the tweet said, Judge and the Yankees have settled. And with that, the judge was kept out of court. After Aaron Judge's camp asked for $21 million for this season, the Yankees offered a $17 million paycheck for this season. And then both sides agreed to meet in the middle. Smack dab in the middle. It's a deal worth $19 million plus some incentives. And those incentives, Mark Feinstein, a great friend of the show, explained them. He said that Judge can earn $250,000 if he is named AL MVP and $250,000 if he is named World Series MVP. Get back to, you know, focusing on, you know, baseball games and trying to bring a championship back here to New York, you know. Glad we were able to, you know, get through that process. Uh, took a little longer than expected, but, you know, thankfully we're past it and, you know, time to focus, you know, focus on winning some games. Yes. What a mistake the Yankees are making by playing hardball with Aaron Judge. Was that battle really worth picking if you're the Yankees? $19 million plus incentives? As if the best player on the best team in baseball needs any more incentive to prove his worth to a team that clearly keeps disrespecting him. Aaron Judge leads the league in home runs with 27, and it's not close. He's third in the league in slugging percentage. He's fourth in the league in, in, in OPS. And he is on pace to break Roger Maris's team home run record. On a team, no less, that is on pace to win an all-time record 119 games. And I know that the arbitration hearing would not have included this season. I know that. But when he has been on the field, 
Aaron Judge has been the best player in baseball or among them. Including when a cheating Jose Altuve stole the MVP title from him in 2017 and just last season when he finished fourth in MVP voting. Judge wanted $21 million. The Yankees should have given him 25, 35. How many more ways can this team disrespect this man? One, they're quibbling over, the Yankees are quibbling over $4 million. I know I live paycheck to paycheck, and $4 million is a lot to me. But is $4 million really going to break the bank for a team that's worth $7.01 billion with a B? They have the highest net worth for any team in Major League Baseball. $4 million is going to break the bank? Really? And how about the fact that the Yankees, again, with the, the team with the highest net worth in baseball, have had Aaron Judge on their roster for years, paying him peanuts. You know, it wasn't until 2020 in a stadium that is and was already full of 99 jerseys in a stadium that was already established that special seating uh, section called the judges' chambers and handed out the gavels and Aaron Judge bobblehead nights and all that in front of fans that they have already watched him win a Silver Slugger Award. You know it all. You know the rest of it. And it wasn't until the year 2020, up through that point, all those things happened through the year 2020. After all of that, that Aaron Judge finally earned an annual salary with seven figures and two commas in it. And you know what else? You know what really rubbed me the wrong way? Hours before first pitch on opening day this year, Brian Cashman told the world that his final offer was uh, to judge the dollar amount and everything. He said, my final offer to judge, and this is not a quote I'm paraphrasing here, the final offer to judge that he turned down was a seven-year deal worth $213 million. I know that was just a a couple, uh, there were a couple question marks about that dollar amount uh, just a few minutes ago. It's a seven-year deal worth $213 million. Well broadcasted. And, And I said this at the time, that I said, why would Brian Cashman do that? What was the point of doing that to adjudicate Aaron Judge in the court of public opinion to get the fans on the team side well that backfired when it happened and it's double backfiring now because Aaron Judge is literally having an MVP season and the odds just a few hours ago when I checked have him at plus 100 to win MVP then you've got Otani behind him in second place you know as of right now with at plus 350 and Mike Trout in a distant third place at plus 850. So Aaron Judge is the odds-on favorite right now to win MVP. The guy continues to bet on himself. And I also said this when it happened. If Aaron Judge ends up playing baseball in a different uniform next season and beyond, those are grounds for dismissal for Brian Cashman, period. Stop. Don't just show Aaron Judge the money. Show him the quan. Show them the respect. So you might ask yourself, what is a fair deal looking like right now? Well, at this point, I would bet that Judge is asking for, what, $37 million a year for nine years, 10 years? I bet the Yankees won't do it. 
and, and so does Buster only because he said it on TV. I, I think it was yesterday, Friday. He said that he doesn't think the judge is going to be a Yankee next season. And I've taken up running. Uh, the month of June, I, I've been on fire with the running. And, and, and this dawned on me uh, earlier today, actually, this morning. I got out around 9.30. This dawned on Really, I'm still thinking about this. You add this into the mix, too. You ever wonder why Judge has been taking so many reps in center field? You don't think that there's a hidden agenda there? Maybe there is, and good for him. Maybe he wants to play center field. But for an outfielder, center field is where the money is. I don't think that's a calculated um, mistake. I think it's, it's calculated, and that's the way he wants to do it. Center field is where the money is. So he's just adding on value to himself every time he takes the field in center field. No wonder why he likes playing there so much. And who could blame him? He's good at it. I just personally, I don't like the effect of, you know, that playing center field could have on his 6-7 frame. But man, that bet on himself is looking better by the day. And guess what? I bought in the day before that he he declined that offer. I bet on him too. Ten dollars, I think it was, to win AL MVP, to win four twenty, I think it was, four thirty. I gotta look. But you know what? And a guy, when a guy like that bets on himself, I've you gotta bet it. You gotta you gotta you gotta buy into. And so and I did too. And and as far as the Yankees, I don't know where their buy in's gonna come from, but this guy keeps showing up every day. He's a consummate professional. He, he's saying all the right things. He's behaving in the right way. And I don't know Aaron Judge. I've met him a couple times. He's been great to me. I can't imagine that he is happy with how all of this over the past couple months has played out here in the Bronx. I can't imagine. I, you know what? I'll speak for myself. I know I would not be happy with the way things have played out in the Bronx, personally. But that's just me. Let's get to you at 877-337-6666. Aaron Judge and the Yanks. Oh, baby. $19 million plus incentives. And um, what do you feel about it? Let's go Jerry in Little Falls. You're going to kick us off tonight. You're going to lead off tonight, Jerry. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle. I'm a full-time Yankee fan. I'm a huge Yankee fan. Before I say what I want to say, I want to just tell you that. Sure. I ask that you objectively listen to what I'm saying but because it's a little negative, but... I've been jumping up and down the last couple of years. The game's complicated. They're going to win a ton of games. But I, I think that there's too many holes in the lineup. They've been winning a lot of games with very few hits, and that's very hard to sustain. And I ask you the question respectfully, and I'm a huge Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. The Yankee fans that are going nuts now, do you think that if they come up against Verlander three times in the playoffs or they get far enough and they see DeGrom and Scherzer, this lineup with Gallo, Glaber Torres is terrible. I don't know what they – there's about four or five guys that don't hit every single night. DJ is, is pedestrian now. I don't know what happened to him. But LeMay, you third base. I like kind of Alepa. If Hasios is playing, catching, he's not going to hit. Aaron Hicks is terrible. The guy – let me tell you something. If they, that guy didn't throw a meatball down the middle, Yankees got swept. So I just think – Playoff baseball is different. This is not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I was spoiled. It's about being a tough out. Paul O'Neill was a tough out. Bernie was a tough out. 
the Yankees have three or four guys that go to sleep in a big spot. Now, Judge is a stud, tremendous. You know, Rizzo's phenomenal. I like DJ. The shortstop's got a lot of heart. The new catcher's good. But there's about five guys, man. They When a pitcher's got to get him, in other words, I played the game at a pretty high level, not pro. When a pitcher's got to get the hitter, they get these guys every single time. Flavor Torres might win a game every couple of months because he's had 100 opportunities. But first and third one out, the guy needs to strike out. He's going to strike out Glaber Torres. He's going to strike out Hicks. But that's all I ask you. Comment on that. Do you really honestly think that if the Yankees go against Scherzer and DeGrom five or six times in a, in a series, or even Verlander, the guy that picked the first game that the Yankees won was dominating them after he gave up that hit. So the Yankees got owned by Houston. So I just think it's not a playoff team. It's a paper tiger. And I thank you so much for letting me talk. Yeah, and thanks, Jerry, for that. And you kicked it off. I love the passion there, Jerry. And, and here's the thing. The Yankees got combined no hit today. The Yankees did not get a single hit today. At home, in the Bronx, on a very hot day, on a pitcher who I, I think David Cohn said he leads the league in fly ball outs. I mean, they couldn't get it done today. Not one single hit. So now you've got a, a tomorrow. They're playing to, to split the series versus Houston. I mean, t- do you think they can do it with Nestor Cortez on the mound? I, I think they might be able to. But but what you point to is the fact that you know if the season ended today, you would have to think that the, the Yankees would be playing the Astros in the ALCS. And then I would think that they you've got the, the Dodgers and the Mets in the NLCS. That I think that's how it's going to shake out. You look at the Astros, they still seem to have the number of the Yankees. They got no hit today. They didn't hit the ball today, the Yankees. Not one. Judge, 0 for 4. Rizzo, 0 for 4. Donaldson, at least he walked. Hicks, at least he walked. LeMahieu, at least he walked in a pinch hit situation. But that's it. And what's happening with DJ LeMahieu? I think it's simple. I think if you show up to the ballpark and you're in a different position every single day, in a different position in the lineup, and being jerked around up and down this lineup, you don't know where you're going to be playing, and, and all that, in the field, defensively, all that. I think it has a huge effect on players. And, and as far as is this team, a, is this roster a, a, a playoff, a postseason roster against the best pitching? Well, you got a little preview of it, didn't you, over the past couple days? They won the first game. The Yankees did, and then they lost the next two. Score of 3-1 to one and 3-0. And today, Saturday, the Yankees got no hit. Major question marks. But I'm not going to go ahead and jump up and down and, and panic because you know what? The trade deadline has not happened yet. This team will look different after the trade deadline next month. It will, period. Whether that be Gallo be go- being gone, Hicks is probably going to still be here. Uh, you know, probably Gallo is probably going to be the first move that they make. So I'm not willing to say, you know, is this team going to sputter in the postseason yet again? I could tell you, I could, I can say though that once they've hit better pitching or tried to hit better pitching, it just doesn't seem to work. And I pointed today, Garrett Cole taking the L in a in a in a miserable, pitiful. Offensive performance from the Yankees earlier today. Zero hits. Zero hits in nine innings. Come on. Billy in Bloomfield, New Jersey. You're up on the fan, Billy. 
Hey, thanks for taking the call. I agree with pretty much everything you're saying about Judge. Obviously, you know, he, he's playing at the top of his game, and when he plays like that, he's a front runner to be the American League MVP, and he deserves to be paid as such. Yes. One thing I would say is, uh, you know, I don't know if you can really point to his struggles the last couple of days because of the arbitration stuff. I mean, he didn't really get, and I have a point about the Astros after this, mm. but he didn't really get his way in the preseason you know, and then he came out on fire. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's like he didn't get his way before. He crushed it. Now he didn't get his way. He had a couple of bad days. Like, yeah. But on the Astros, one mm-hmm. thing that I really am frustrated with, first of all, that they have our number as a big Yankees fan. It's yep. incredibly maddening that this team is like seemingly unbeatable. Um, but what's, what's even more frustrating is it just feels like the Yankees fans like are having a tr- uh, like a hard time getting over the fact that 2017 happened. We have Marwin Gonzalez in our dugout. Mm-hmm. We have Carlos Beltran in our booth, mm-hmm. and we're out here saying "f Altuve" while our own team is batting. It just—it's like you know the expression the kids use, "living rent free." You know, like yeah. Altuve living rent free in Yankees fans' heads for five years. And it's making me mad. I wish the Yankees would put a PSA out that says "no more f Altuve chants." Because That's really never going to happen. Putting them on a pedestal. Never going to happen. Well, it's it's maddening to me. Well, you know what, Billy? It can be maddening to you, and and it's it's just not going to happen. Jose Altuve cheated and stole the AL MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017. Stole it from him, and he cheated. And they stole the World Series from the Yankees that year too. That in, in not just a, a one-off cheating scandal, it was a well-organized, well-orchestrated cheating scandal that rocked baseball. It's leaded to, it's led to to rule changes and and the invention of pitchcom and all that. It's a huge deal. So the FL two base chance. I mean, I wish it wasn't the F word, you know, for the kids in the stands. But but you know what? They deserve it. They deserve it. Not that it matters to Altuve because he seems to love playing in Yankee Stadium. Love it. Now, about this uh, Aaron Judge thing. My question now is, let's take this one step farther. And, of course, give me your calls. And Do you think he won the, 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 the settlement? All that, right? But my question now is, let's push it a little bit. Is Friday's settlement, yesterday's settlement, between Aaron Judge and the Yankees a precursor to how free agency negotiations will go in terms of both sides' approach and strategies. I'm Danielle McCartan. We'll tackle that next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I told Connor I wanted this one. Demi Lovato, confident. Because what's wrong with being confident? Aaron Judge is a confident dude. Bet on himself in the beginning of the year. Is continuing to bet on himself and is having himself an MVP season in the Bronx. So he met with the media in a scrum after Friday night's game. And this was a great question. And I, I actually did not recognize the reporter's voice. So I'm very sorry. Um, if you're listening, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I didn't recognize the voice. But the question was. Uh, you know, after the settlement here, does does this give you any more confidence that the next deal, the big deal, will get done? Here's Aaron Judge. 
uh, give you any more confidence that the next deal, the big deal, will get done, seeing that they met you in the middle here? Uh, no. Uh, you know, we got this one done, and um, you know, I was happy about that. Uh, no? Yikes. That's a bad step. So, look, here, let's take a step back. So I'm running my 2.16 miles on Friday after my last day of school listening to my Afrojack electronic dance music podcast. And I'm thinking about this entire Aaron Judge situation. Of course, before that came out. This is before the game. Aaron Judge wants every dollar. And you can't blame the guy. And the Yankees want to penny pinch him. It's a business. Air quotes there, right? So, which, by the way, is ridiculous for a team that simply just ate $50 million to bring over IKF and Josh Donaldson. But, hey, who, who am I? I'm just I'm thinking to myself while I'm running, why wouldn't Judge want to take this all the way to arbitration and get the $21 million that he wants? To, to me, there's no way that they would drop the gavel on Judge. And I say this because I was thinking, as I'm sweating my butt off, I, if, if it were me in Aaron Judge's shoes, and I know he said that he did not want to miss playing in the game with his team on Friday night, which is real cute, real admirable. But what's one game to prove a point, to set up you know, the game plan, the strategy moving forward, to set the tone moving forward? And, and really, realistically, he probably would have been available off the bench too that night if push came to shove. You got to look out for yourself, I've learned, or else no one else is going to do it for you. So if it were me... And I'm a total team player. Believe me. Ask any of the teammates I've ever had in my life. I'm a total team player. But if it were me, I would go to the bitter end just to hear what the Yankees would say about me as to why I did not deserve what I was asking so that I will be prepared in my next really big negotiation. I would try my best to force the Yankees' hand now for my upcoming big deal in the free uh, free agency negotiations. And if I had to miss one game to do that, then so be it. But then, as I'm still running yesterday, I'm I'm still thinking, well, maybe the judge camp didn't want to show his cards. But then my next thought was, well, it's quite obvious what their argument would be. It's in the numbers. Like I said, Judge is literally having an MVP season. We were just talking about that. So I'm happy for him in the sense that he got more than the Yankees were willing to offer him initially. But I cannot imagine that he is too pleased with the way this has gone overall. I know I wouldn't be. Would you? 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. And in the order that you called, Dwight in Brooklyn, you are up next on the fan. Dwight, go ahead. Hey, how you doing? First time call, long time listener. I love that. Thank um, you. Listen, I, I agree with mostly everything you say. The only thing I got to say is in reference to Brian Cashman, when he stated about the contract and being in the year, it was at a press conference. Somebody asked him a question about it, and he just responded. It's not like he birded it out there. Well, he kind of did. He could have said, we're going to keep that in-house for now. There, there are many different ways that a guy who has been doing this yeah. for many years could have handled that. Yeah, and the, one of the previous calls made a good point about the Yankees having a lot of holes in their lineup. It's just like in 2017, they killed bad pitching. But when you come to the playoffs, like you said, they're going to meet top flight pitching. And they don't hit too well with top flight pitching. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, 
2017, I think they had a little better offensive lineup than they do now. And they didn't uh, hit. It so was up three games to two. They went back to Houston and didn't do nothing, scored one run. And I kind of see that happening again. I'm a deep Yankee fan. Yeah, I see it happening like too. The, yeah. I see that happening. So, I mean, I hope, like you said, they make a move for somebody like Benintendi or yes. somebody. I, you took the word, Dwight. You took the words else. right out of my mouth there, Dwight. Benintendi yes. is the guy. The spray chart is all over the field. The guy, That's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. They yes. need a contact hitter. Yes. Somebody that gets on base. Yes, and that's him. In front of Judge. Yes. <laughs> in front of Judge. And how and many times do I, do I have to see Aaron Judge in the one hole or the two hole and that, and I don't that like order that either. hitting, I don't hitting like that either. solo home runs? I'm so sick and tired of it. I don't it. like that I'm either. Tired I don't like it. that either. I don't like that either. I mean, he should be hitting third, standing fourth. Yeah. Or he shouldn't second. Yeah. I, even, I, I can go with second, Rizzo third, and him fourth. I I would like I mean, ideally I would like uh, Judge in the three hole ideally. Uh, and then they got to do something with Lemayhu. He ain't he ain't he's not the same Lemayhu. He's getting older. Like you said, that's a good point you made earlier. That's what I wanted to say. That changing of the uh, positions every day that affects your offense. It has to. 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 That's why I think Stanton plays better when he's in the field. Yep. I think he should play more in the field. I know yes, they say about him getting hurt. Yep. But when the playoffs come, I think he should be in the field every game. Absolutely. And he has to. And then they need to get a good DH. Two spots. A good DH and somebody for Gallo. Because you can't have Gallo in the playoffs like that. He's no. like an automatic out. Yep. You can't have that. Uh, can't and have Hicks, that. too. And Hicks, too. Let's be honest there, too. I don't know about Hicks. Because his defense, and he took like he's been a little better. I can live with Hicks. I can't live with Gallo. I can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't live with either of them, Dwight. I really can't. I mean, nah, Hicks has been, has been picking up. Because remember, he missed a whole year last year, and I think that affected him this year in reference to his hitting. Uh, He's picking up better. He's picking up better. That's I think a fair by, point. I think by the end of the year, he, he should be better. I can go in plus the defense. I can go with him at the end of the you know eighth and ninth hole. But somebody else, they need to do something. Gallo need a good DH, and I'm talking about contact hitters. Not these all. They have too many all or nothing hitters. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Which has been you the same story, Dwight. It's been the same story for how, since 2017. The two many right. all or nothings. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. You can't have that many in your lineup. You saw what happened today. Yep. Dwight, have a good day, man. Good, good bless. You. Love talking to you, baby. Yeah. Good call there, Dwight. I like that. And you know what else too? And you have to point to as well. 2017, they had the, the the ball and chain of of Gary Sanchez holding them back, and they no longer they have Trevino, who has been who's been really good, really really good. And I know my cousin's listening right now; it's his favorite player uh, on this Yankees team is 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 Trevino, and that was a, that was an upgrade. And by the way, I think what did I what did I hear? I was overhearing on the broadcast. I could have the number wrong, but. There's a, I think it said eight. Of the past eight Garrett Cole starts, Trevino has been his catcher. Does that make sense? Maybe it's not eight. But but Cole likes Trevino behind the plate. But, listen, if you're a Yankee fan, you have to be hoping for Joey Gallo to hit his stride because for the simple fact that his draft capital will go up because right now he's worth about nothing. And Hicks is going nowhere because no one's taking on that money. I like Joey Gallo's defense. I do. I just wish he could pick it up at the plate. I mean, I was we were I had graduation on Thursday night. We were we went out afterwards, and, and I'm looking on TV. Of course, there's no sound. I'm watching Joey Gallo go into the stands in right field, uh, down the line to make a catch. Beautiful. I have no idea what the situation was. We just walked in, and and but I like Joey Gallo's defense. Today he had that carom off the wall. 
Kept the runner at first base. It was just a long single. But he's got to pick it up the plate. And 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 the perfect player to fit this Yankees team, or or the perfect player that this Yankees team will need, Andrew Benintendi. Marty in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Yes, good evening, uh, Danielle. What's I up, Marty? really agree with everything you've said about Aaron Judge. I think uh, the Yankees are playing a very dangerous game with this man. I mean, he's the face of the franchise. He's a superstar. And to think that they're offering him incentives yeah. in arbitration. As if you I have mean, to incentivize like this, this guy anymore. Offered incentives. Yeah, it's, it's insulting. They should have offered him the $21 million, no doubt. No and, doubt. You know, I've been a Yankee fan for a long time, and I saw uh, back in the early 80s uh, the Yankees uh, parted company with Reggie Jackson, and he meant so much to the team. He went to the Angels, and the franchise took a step back. And this is the danger at the end of this year. If the Yankees are not careful and they lose judge, this team is going to take a step back, yep. and it's going to – create a lot of anger amongst the Yankee fans. I, w- I was at the game today, and every time I go to a Yankee game, he's batting leadoff, and this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh-huh. He should be in the number three hole at yep. all times. Yep. And, and Marty, you know, because I know you call me every week, every week I talk about that, how X amount of his home runs have been solo home runs. Move him out of that spot. Am I right? Every Absolutely. week I talk about this. Tired mm-hmm. of it. I'm tired of seeing it. You know, he, he, he's, now, I don't know if this is coming from Brian Cashman with the analytics or what, but uh, Boone, uh, Aaron Boone's a smart baseball man. I mean, he has to realize that Judge's uh, worth to the team is not leading off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he has to be th- third or fourth uh, <laughs> with Stanton behind him. Yes. When are they going to figure that out? Well, I hope it's not too late. Obviously, they're in a great situation. I mean, they're you know, listen, they won over fifty games, and uh, but I mean, it's what you do in October. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the key. Right. I mean, I don't want to see this team win one hundred ten games and then flame out come October. Yep, which is what Yankee fans have been used to over the past couple over October's. the last six seven years yes. or whatever. Yep. Well, at least since twenty seventeen, at least. I mean, yes. Edwin mm-hmm. Encarnacion hit .097 in that series against the Astros. I'll never, I'll never forget that number because I was like, oh, my God, what is he still doing in the lineup? What is mm-hmm. he still doing out there? Right. Absolutely. And they do need a contact hitter at the number one slot. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, is it is it Kiner Falefa? Can they, can they move it around a little bit? But it, it, but you know what though, Marty, and thanks for the call there. Because we have to hit the break here. It, it's very obvious that the Yankees are not subscribing to that mentality of that a contact hitter needs to be in the number one spot. Because if you look at today's order, Judge one, Rizzo two, Donaldson three, Stanton four. I mean, I I, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand. And. I, I'm trying to add up real quick as I talk, and maybe I can do this on the commercial because I have been keeping a tally, and I and I have to update it over this past week because I'm on week to week here of how many home runs that Aaron Judge has hit and how many of them have been solo home runs. I'll have that for you coming up next, uh, and and also, and let me push this a little bit farther now too, so we can get some real baseball talk going here. Some pitching reinforcements are on the horizon for both the Yankees and the Mets, including a. Uh, what are they thinking with the plan for that guy kind of question? I'm Daniel McCartan. I'll explain coming up next here on The Fan. 
All right, as promised, I'm Danielle McCartan, and I'm about to deliver. I just finished, like, a few seconds ago figuring this out. Aaron Judge has 27 home runs. 21 of them are solo home runs. To me, that is not sustainable in a postseason sort of atmosphere against really good pitching. 27 home runs, 21 of them are solo home runs. He's sixth in the league in RBI, and he has hit 27 home runs. Go figure that one out. I'm telling you, it's it's not his fault. It's just where they're placing him. Uh, so as far as pitching, the, for the Mets, some much-needed pitching depth is, is returning to the starting rotation. You got Max Scherzer making a rehab appearance on Tuesday. Still, as far as I know, to be determined on team and location. So I expect him back in the Mets uniform by next weekend, and that'll be a huge imminent boost for this Mets rotation. Duh, obviously. Then you've got Carlos Carrasco, who will make his next start as a Met on an extra day of rest. That could be as soon as Tuesday at City Field. Let me check if they've updated that. Mets probable pitchers. Last I checked, they did not. But let me just be sure that we have. Uh, they have not to be determined for Tuesday. I think it's going to be Carrasco. We'll see what happens. And then there's probably the most imminent return. Speaking of, what are they doing with Judge at, at, as a leadoff hitter? Oh, my God. I rolled this chat. Me. You ready? Brian Hoke, who quoted Aaron Boone in his pregame press conference, tweeted at 10.40 a.m., uh, 12 hours ago pretty much. He said, Aroldis Chapman will appear for the Somerset Patriots again tomorrow, Sunday, then could be activated. Ready for this one? Sorry if you drive off the road. Brian Hoke said that, that Boone said, Chapman will return to the ninth inning. He will return to the ninth inning. Why? If this is a question of a player's salary dictating his role on the team, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. An $18 million setup man? Well, if he can't get the job done, then who cares where he is? Maybe, I was trying to think, maybe this is an experiment to just test him out there in that role and see what happens. Well, I think that's a terrible idea for a guy who struggles with his confidence. And and I'm just trying to figure out why the Yankees would remove Clay Holmes, who has allowed just two earned runs all season. Why would they move him from that closer's role? It's June 25th. Are you going to put him in the best situations against you know the best the hitters of the other team? Come on. So so Chapman and that stupid smile can appear on another walk off hit. No, he's a setup man right now, especially on day one, back to the major leagues after that injury. And I've been saying it for months. Bring him in earlier so that if and when he coughs it up, the Yankees could have a chance to come back and score runs to potentially salvage the game at that point. I can't look at another one of those smiles as the ball flies over the fence and the the, uh, the player on the other team is rounding the bases with his fist in the air. Yankee fans, Mets fans, I'm Daniel McCartan. I want to hear your thoughts at 877-337-6666. And in the order that you called, Steve in Jackson, New Jersey. Thanks for hanging, Steve. You're up. The Yankees are nickel and diming judge. Yep. $2 million to the Yankees is chump change. Yep. If I'm judged when it comes time for the contract, I'm listening to all offers. I am not rushing into any contract with the Yankees. Absolutely. Me too. 
I mean, the, and, and Jack and Steve, thanks for hang, for hanging and, and for making that point. Absolutely, I made the point before. Yankees are worth seven point zero one billion dollars with a B. And he asked for twenty one. They wanted to give him seventeen. It's a four million dollar difference. Pay the man. You've been underpaying him since he 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 arrived in the Bronx. I was there the day he hit his first home run. He didn't start making seven figures until 2020. Okay? So they've been having him on a bargain, discount, bargain, selling tickets because people want to come and see him, selling jerseys, this, that, and the other thing. I went over it before. He's a marketing he, he's a marketing dream for a team. He is the next Yankee captain if he signs here. Consummate professional. And they've been underpaying him for so long. It's like... Forget the money. Show me the Quan. Show me the respect. Ben and Queens. You're up next on the fan. Uh, evening there, Danielle. Look, look uh, firstly, let me tell you a player to look out for on the U.S. team. Had her breakout game tonight. Sophia Smith. She fits in right next to Alex Morgan for the for the U.S. national team. Just mm-hmm. keep an eye on that name. She I will. Plays for the, she plays for Portland. So I will. All right. So now. About the judge thing, I told Sal the other night, after he got that game-winning hit, yep. you don't even go into the arbitration room. You just say, here you go, Aaron, $20 million. $20 million, and I promise to we will talk this out like adults as soon as the season's over. Yeah, but how about just nope. not the $21 million that he's asking for? He deserves and, it. Well, hey, I would give him that, too. But I'm just saying, for the arbitration situation where you had, where you are at, you were going in there and you were going to tell them to offer this dude 17. I'm like, it's a slap in the face. Exactly, because if 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 you just make that parlay to him, all right, if you make that bargain to him right before you get into that room. I don't think he's he's he delivers what he delivered on that that press conference. I think that would have been smoothed over quick, you know? Yeah. Still, still. I mean, they still did not go to arbitration. They did offer him 19. He took the 19. But to me, I don't know what that was. Exactly. Uh, that 19 was, ha-ha, when it gets time, hey, Boston, hey, California, hey. Yeah. What are you guys going to give me? Mets, New York Mets, Steve Cohen. I, I, look, look, I, I know you're dealing with orders from – from up uh, up above, and this isn't the old man still in the office and stuff like that. But you got to understand, it's not just the Yankees versus everybody right now. And there there is a good seven or eight teams that have been waiting for Judge, just waiting. Yep. Now, quickly about today's game. Simply put, your your Benedendi uh, request, and folks, if you're now listening. Coach has been on this for six months now. <laughs> has it been six months you've kept on bringing up Benedetti? Uh, uh, no. yes. I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. This this is this has been a minute, but uh, you know, <laughs> you you have three pitchers shutting you down like this, and only one attempt all game to shoot it the other way on this no hitter. One yeah. attempt. This is where. You know, you 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 could t- hit me with the cheating stuff from long ago, and and I already heard some callers. Oh, 
the, the Astros must have been doing something. No way the Yanks get no hit. Mm. And I'm like, look at how the Yanks lineup is set up. And your one hitter that used to shoot it that way regularly is struggling right now. So, so guess what? It makes it easy to no hit this team if no, if everybody's out of sync. Mm. And today, everybody was out of sync. Danielle, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, Ben, thanks for making it. Um, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right on that. The thing I like about Andrew Benatendi is he is the anti uh, sort of approach, anti Yankee approach. And uh, this from a uh, good friend, Bruce Shine, he texted me and he said, Pete Abraham is reporting in the Boston Globe that the Royals are actively shopping Benintendi now with the Yanks and the Mets as supposed, supposed suitors. The Mets? Well, that's a big question mark. Why the Mets? Does that mean McNeil's out? Wow. We uh got a lot to talk about here, but I, I do love that the Yankees are in on Benintendi, according to Pete Abraham in the Boston Globe. Uh, my first of a few... Cool for the summer. Hey, it's officially summertime. School's out for the summer. Got a little Demi Lovato vibe going on tonight with Connor behind the glass. You on the phones, everybody, at 877-337-6666. The first announcement in bit of news for the night. Told you I had two things. This is the first of the two. I told you it was going to happen at the top of the hour. Maria Marino should be on her way here in a little while. She'll be here for the for beginning at midnight. So the first announcement is this. Now, uh, the New York Boulders, they're not the Rockland Boulders anymore. They're the New York Boulders. They asked me to, and little did they know, check off a personal bucket list item. I am excited to announce that I will be throwing out the first pitch for the New York Boulders on Friday, July 22nd, 22. You can go ahead and get your tickets now. They are on sale, obviously. And I really hope that I'll be able to meet some of you. And it's a cheap ticket on a Friday night. So bring the whole family. It's a night out. It's July 22, me, you, and the Boulders. And, well, the Florence Yalls. That's Florence, Kentucky. Not Firenze, Italia. But I guess that's a fitting game for me to be at, isn't it? So, of course, I'm going to be practicing. Uh, as I look here, this is funny because I, this, I haven't really noticed this. There's a bobblehead right here of George W. Bush on the, uh, on the table here, on the desk, as I just flicked his head here. Um, and it's uh, him throwing out the first pitch at uh, Yankee Stadium, of course, after September 11th. And I, I, I wrote that in my notes. Of course, I'll be practicing. Don't bounce it. They'll boo you. Of course, that's Derek Jeter's advice to President Bush at the time. And I've already started practicing. I've never thrown off a mound before, and I'm definitely not from 60 feet 6 inches. But you know me. I'm going out there, and I am throwing a strike. And so much so that I want them to offer me a contract when I walk off that mound. And the boulders are going to be taking real good care of my friends and family on that special night. I think I'm even going to be joining Seth Cantor in the booth. So that's going to be fun. So again, July 22, July 22nd, Clover Stadium in Pomona, New York. I'm very excited. Get your tickets now and let's hang. There you go. All right. In the order that you called Kevin in Camden. Go ahead, Kevin. What's up, Coach? What's up with you, you, Kevin? I'm good. Well, first off, I, I got total confidence in you. You're going to do great. Thank I got total confidence in you. You're going to do great. Thank you. Um, I did my I did my homework. You were talking about this judge thing, and before before you got on the air, I was already doing my homework before then. 
But I, the only, I, I thought of a comp, and it, it, you might agree with it, you might not. All right. But the only thing I could think of that was close to this, Freddie Freeman with the uh, Braves and Dodgers. Because hmm. like, like Judge, Freeman was a homegrown guy. Mm-hmm. All offseason, you know, last year, the Braves and Freeman, whatever, they, they could not hash out their differences. Freeman wanted an extra year and a little more. The the Braves were reluctant. Yeah, and that's my and that's my fear with the Yankees because they gave him all this and you know Judge is betting on himself, which is a little different. But the Yankees, I don't know, Judge is going to want a lot of money now coming to this offseason because he's doing really well. And I don't I don't know if if, if you know if, if um Judge is going to you know the Yankees are going to want to do to give Judge as much as he wants. I fear another Freddie Freeman situation where, like, Judge could leave, and he, he's also from California. That's another thing. That's another reason why I brought up the comp. Judge is also from California. I think he's from Fresno. So I'm I'm a, I'm very aware. I'm, and, I, and I thought of this because I know Freeman just came back to Atlanta. It, and the Braves are a good team this year, but there's a they're not the same. And you know what the missing ingredient? And I know and I noticed this, and I've heard this a lot on Twitter and people that and I have a friend who's from Atlanta, and he said the biggest difference, Freddie Freeman. That's the, that's the reason the Braves aren't as good as they, they usually are, yeah. and that's going to be the Yankees. They're going to be going to be a good team next year, but if Judge doesn't come back, there's going to be that missing ingredient that, you know what, you should have brought him back. And I'm, I'm very wary, like I said, of Judge and the Yankees not coming to terms and Judge leaving, and it's not going to be the same. And Kevin, so that was my comp. What do you agree with that? Yeah, Kevin, it's it's a it's a good one. The, the only difference, obviously, being that as of right now, you know, uh, Freeman won a ring. Judge has yet to win a ring, and 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 I like the comparison. And you saw how emotional that that um, Freddie Freeman was in that press conference. He was crying. He was legitimately crying. Yes, he wasn't tearing up. He was crying on the podium. Uh, going back to Atlanta that night that and for that game. So uh, it's a good comp, and um, and, and Braves fans. Definitely miss him. I'm sure that they do. And uh, that would be a worst-case scenario if you're a Yankee fan. Worst-case scenario if Judge is wearing a different uniform next year because your team is too cheap to keep him. To Sayerville, New Jersey, Carlos, you're up on the fan. There is no way the Yankees would ever trade or get rid of Judge. But I have a couple comments. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Thanks for making it. You know, how do we sustain where we're at now? You know, I keep on asking myself, how do we sustain what we have? We don't make a change. We don't get rid of Hicks. We don't get rid of uh, Gallo. What we need to do is add pitching, if, if anything. I ask myself, where would the team be if if we didn't have Gallo and we didn't have Hicks? Would we be 60 games over 500? There's no way to quantify that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked myself, the way to sustain this, the DH, you know, just a couple points on the DH. The DH should be strategically used to rest players, you know, on, on a given day. Right. The, one other reason where we're at is Nestor Cortez. Yes. Uh, the pitching for the Yankees is just lights out. It has been just lights out. The timely hitting, the clutch hitting, it's all put together this year. So how do we sustain what well, we have? Well, I, I disagree you, with you on that. Changes. I mean, the clutch hitting, I know they have, what, what, eight or nine walk-offs this year, but 
the, I would I would pump the brakes on clutch hitting, uh, more so situational hitting. Uh, the situational hitting to me leaves a little bit to de- be desired, but but the pitching, you're right, especially Nestor Cortez. Surprise, surprise has been has been wonderful. Yeah. Why are the Yankee fans so disgruntled almost? And it's I see and hear emotional responses to especially Judge. How do we know what his camp is saying? And I think he's saying the right way is. Let the business people take care of the business. Sure. I'm going to take care of the field. And he's been lights out. It's a good way to separate it because we want Judge. There is no way the Yankees would ever entertain getting rid of Judge. It's the business side of it. Well, then, Carlos, then they shouldn't be disrespecting him at every chance they, they seem to have gotten. Um, and I know it's a business. And Aaron Judge is, watch out, because that's a double-edged sword, right? That it's a business. He could throw that right back at that, at them. And the fear among Yankee fans is this, that the team who has been penny-pinching all throughout is not going to buck up and pay this guy when push comes to shove. Or offer him that ninth year or tenth year, whatever. He's We're not in the room. We don't know. No one knows. That's the fear. The fear is that the Yankees will not offer him what another team could. And that in and of itself signals an entirely different uh, philosophy, if you will, um, for the team. You know, gone are the days where you just plunk down a blank check and boom, there it is. Fill it out. It's not like that anymore. To West Orange we go, Kyle, you're up on the fan next. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? This is a great show. Thank you. Just called in and uh, just uh, look. This game, I don't care how many. I'm a Yankee fan from from '77. Okay, this game, and this is why we're upset because the Yankees haven't won a World ser- Series since '09. Mm-hmm. It's been over ten years. Okay, we I've seen this before, from '78 all the way to '96. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't care how many records they put up. I don't care how many records they beat from 1920 and 1930. Yeah. If they can't get past Houston, it's over. Yep. And this behind, this clutch, they got to start hitting early and getting an early lead like they were doing. Because if you keep coming behind, from behind, you are going to lose. Francesa used to say it all the time. Yep. He says when you start getting deep in these playoffs and you're behind, you're going to stay behind because you're meeting better pitching. And number two, the Yankees, the Yankees are going to pay judges money if he hits 60 home runs. There's no way they're going to let this guy, since Roger Maris, if he keeps doing what he's doing, they're going to pay him that way. But they're, they're doing the Freddie Freeman um, example was excellent because Freeman didn't get his contract of what he did. What, he didn't get what he wanted because of his age. That's why. If Freeman was 26, 27, he would have got a 10-year deal. Easy. That's what I think the Yankees are doing with Judge. Yeah, well, he's because 30. They're looking, they're, they're looking at Juan Soto. Now, the Soto thing is also out there as well. This Benatendi thing is beautiful. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you. And if they get Benatendi, Benatendi or whatever how he's doing, if they get him and they're working well and this is going good, then, yeah, you get rid of Gallo because I think Gallo's going to go. I'm getting tired of Gallo striking out and flying out. I'm getting tired of it. Mm. And, you know, if this thing happens – then that's where they're at. But I think they're being cautious with Judge because he was, you know, he hit 52 home runs that year, and then he started getting hurt. Then we got COVID. So, you know, whatever. but 
From what I see with Judge, I love it. Since that, since Derek Jeter, here comes Judge, center fielder. He's playing great, beautiful center fielder. He plays it effortlessly. Yeah, he does. And, and he plays it even better than Bernie, who was my favorite, who was one of my favorite players. So Bernie Williams. So the thing is, is that I think the Yankees should have gave him twenty-five million. That's what right I said. Here, yeah. here you go. Here you Pay go. Him. Twenty-five. Let's open it up with you, buddy. You've earned it so far. But they're playing. They're playing patsy with him. Yep. And they're doing that, I think, because of. His age and also, well, is he going to get hurt again? Do we know if he's going to play or whatever? But you know what? They better, if they lose him, I think they'll lose him to San Francisco. I, I think the Giants will slap some money down on him in a minute. They could. And they're, going to, and they're going to lose him, and they better pick up Juan Soto. Because if they don't do it, then, then the, that's when the fans were going to be up in arms. No, Kyle, that's, I think it happens before that. I think the fans are up in arms if Aaron Judge walks out the door and never comes back here in the Bronx. That's what I think. And guess what? I think he's still going to be a New York resident or wherever he's living because I think Steve Cohen, this would be the Steve Cohen capitalization moment if he ever had one to steal the Yankees' prized possession away from him, to, from them, to set up the judges' chambers in Queens, move them to Queens to, to, to I don't know, just, just to, to, to really stick it to the Yankees and, 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 and buck that narrative of, you know, we are not the younger brother here in New York anymore. We just stole the best player in baseball, obviously the best one off your, your roster. That's what I think is going to happen. I think if Aaron Judge does not return to the Yankees, he's going to be a Met, period. Eric in Tampa. Uh-oh, Eric, go ahead. Eric, going once, twice. All right, dude. There you go. You're out. Robbie in Lennox. Go ahead, Robbie. Danielle, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Thanks for making well, first, it. Yeah, thanks, And First of all, I just think it's ridiculous to say that somebody's disrespected when they're given $30 million a year to play baseball. I think it's pretty sickening. Who's making $30 million where, a year? Well, when they offer Judge $30 million a year, and I love Aaron as a ball player, but people have to look realistically at the fact that he's 30 to 31 years old coming up. I mean, I mean, he offered you seven years. You want to be a Yankee? Sign on the dotted line. I'm sick of this garbage. I mean, like I've said this, and I've said this on my program so many times, I talk about this. How much money do you need to make yourself happy in, the, in, the, in New York? Robbie, that's What's different. That's it's different for everybody. You, money. Yeah, it's but monopoly you can't, money. You okay? can't. You can't. No, okay. not okay. Because you can't compare that. You can't do that. Because all these Why? other guys are making, Trout's making $37 million. It's just Freddie the market Freeman got value. 29. It's Freddie, the, Freddie more. But come on, I mean, where's where's the realization? Where's this, the where's the humility in making thirty million dollars to be a baseball player? It's it's just look, look, you know. And, we can talk and, about and how forever, about the seven point seven billion dollar yeah. Yankees shortchanging the guy? Come on. Look, pay him what he wants to get paid. You know they're going to pay him. You know the Yankees. Look, he's a, he's a marketing tool. Look at all the jerseys. The guy's the base. I said the it before. Baseball. Exactly. All right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Look, I look. I understand from a business perspective. I'm talking about just from a common sense perspective. And I'll and I'll say this to the day I die that that, it's, that the money has just become absolutely ridiculous. And and a lot of the irresponsibility of all sports, uh, with the exception to me of the NHL, which guys just play every day, has just become ridiculous. But I mean, I just wanted to mention about the Yankees today, and I talked to Connor about this. Was there any attempt today at all to bunt the baseball in this game by the Yankees? Not or that not? I saw. Zero, right? 
Now, it, it makes me sick to my stomach as a 57-year-old man who grew up watching the Yankees my whole life, you know, born and raised in Westchester, going to games in the Bronx. My dad's office, 10 minutes from Yankee Stadium, okay? And I, can, and I can't understand how in the world, when you're getting shut out and you score one run, okay, and I'm not going to pick on this team because it's, it's been a thrilling moment this season. It's been great. But how in the world for that you cannot even consider laying one down to manufacture a run when Cole's pitching his rear end off. It's just, I, it, it blows my mind. And, Danielle, I will agree with you 110 zillion percent, because I've been saying this for five years with Aaron Judge. Why does this guy bat second? It makes no sense to me mm-hmm. whatsoever when Agashioka is batting ninth and Judge is batting second. If you're going to bat a guy ninth, let kind of fill up the bat ninth. At least he gives you some speed on first base. Yeah. He doesn't hit 177, and Aaron will drive in more runs. I, I, and Ben Attendi is the perfect guy. You stick him in front. You and I talked about this. At like, yeah. You stick him in front of LeMayu. He gives you the lefty-righty combination. you got a guy who makes contact on LeMayu. you got a guy who steals bases and has speed in Ben Attendi. And then you put Judge third, you put Rister, and then you put Judge fourth. Now you're talking about the traditional table setters that made the Yankees really good in the 90s and the 70s. And that's the whole idea. And obviously in, in, in the greater days, like the 50s and 40s, and you know, back then, it's, it's crazy. I yeah. mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I Robbie, really don't get it. It's, the analytics. It's yeah, the, it's the new thing. It's the new age. The new analytics. It's whether you like it or not, they're here to stay. And it, it sucks. I know. I know. And we got Maria Marino coming up here in about 40 minutes. Uh, of course, from SNY. I have SNY on TV, so I'm curious to see if she's going to be wearing the same clothes as she is wearing on TV as when she comes in here. Um, just a quick little t- touch on basketball, and we'll go back to the Mets and Yankees calls, of course, but I did want to touch on basketball because I did want to ask this. The big three era, the Harden, Durant, Irving era in Brooklyn, is it the biggest gaffe or the biggest bust, not only in Nets history, but in NBA history? I'm Danielle McCartan. Give me a call. Let me know what you're thinking. As you know, I'm going to let you know what I think. 877-337-6666. And if you have a Yankee or Met call, hang in there. I'll come right back to those as well. I could see the schedule. I knew what games I was going to being a Nets fan as a kid. So it was incredible for that to come to fruition now and being a player and actually taking this Nets kind of dream that I've had since a kid and really making it a reality. Oh, yeah, that's the voice of Kyrie Irving explaining how excited he was to be a net back on media day of 2019. How much has changed since then? The big three. Kevin Durant, two-time NBA champion with a resume that's too long to list. Then you've got Kyrie Irving, a one-time NBA champion with still an impressive resume. A brand-new head coach in Steve Nash who was enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, class of 2018, all joined by James Harden, who is who was and still is searching for his first NBA championship. Oh, baby. That, what could go wrong? Durant, Irving, Harden, they've got 29 all-star appearances among the three of them. And add Steve Nash in for just for the hell of it, makes 37 all-star appearances. This was the ticket. They all chose Brooklyn as their number one destination. Get your ticket tape ready. Nets fans still have it packed away in their closets right now, I'm sure. And you might as well recycle it because it's over. This has to go down as one of the biggest gambles and busts in the history of the NBA. Now, I'm not pretending to be a basketball or even a sports historian. 
I actually never really liked history in school anyway. But here's what I do know. ESPN Stats and Info tweeted, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving only played 16 games together. They went 13-3. and 16 games? 16? Kyrie Irving was asked months ago about their lack of playing time together, and he said, I hate that I even have to answer that question. I think about it daily. It's not something that's short-sighted for us. I think about the long term and how well we'll gel together as a trio. Oh, it could have been. But instead, Harden's in Philly, Irving's a flake, and teams around the league are quietly putting together trade packages for Durant. That Kevin Durant, who in his time in Brooklyn with two active seasons, has only seven playoff wins, one series victory, and led his team to be the only team swept right out of this past season's playoffs. And don't forget the foundation these guys came in on. Karis LeVert was traded in a three-team Harden package along with three first-round draft picks. Spencer Dinwiddie traded in a five-team deal where the Nets got a 2024 second and a 2025 pick swap with the Wizards. Oh, and Jared Allen. I loved me some Jared Allen. He was also traded in that three-team Harden package, and that's got that 2024 second-round pick back, essentially. Oh, and don't forget Kenny Atkinson, the great developmental coach that he is, and Irving said that he is during the 2019 media day. Oh, yeah, Kenny Atkinson, he was forced out of his job. By whom? Well, you tell me. Here's a quote from the statement of GM Sean Marks at the time. He said, after discussions with Kenny, we mutually agreed that a coaching change would be in the best interest of the team. It was an extremely difficult decision. However, the organization believes it is one that is necessary at this time, end quote. Yeah, the organization. Okay, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you mean. Just put it in there. I said it at the, at the time as well. And the Nets will also, on top of all of this chaos as of right now, have an approximate 98 million dollar luxury tax bill this season what a gigantic swing and miss or airball if you will this big three experiment was what a disaster met nets fans yikes this can this could be this could be really bad i mean worse than kyrie irving not playing in 123 in the nets games but it could be. It could go really bad. And we'll, of course, have Maria Marino up here in a little bit to, to discuss this even farther. Uh, okay, in the order that you called, Stephen, in Danbury, Connecticut. You're up on the fan. All right. Well, I have, I want to talk to you about a Met Yankee point, but before I do, yeah. the caller just before who talked about how much is too much for these guys. Yeah, right. I mean, listen, it's a lot of money for us, and it's a lot of money for anybody, but if the Yankees aren't going to pay it if they don't have it. And if they don't pay it to judge, then you know who's keep getting that money? The Steinbrenners are getting the money. So someone's making the money. Why not have it be judge? Mm. Why not have it be the player? There you go. Um, all right, here's my, here's my point. I'm, I'm very curious as to what you think. Yeah. Everyone's talking about judge and the Yankees. Makes total sense. But the this is the Grounds last year. And no one's talking about him. Hmm. And I know he's injured, but we're going to have the Mets. I'm a Mets fan. We're going to have the same type of problem with the Grom. What are the Mets going to do? Well, the thing is that that he's got an uh, he's got a player option for the 2023 season. So, 
it's not that it's his, I guess, it's not technically his last year in the deal because he can opt in and he can earn 20.5. What he's making this year, he can earn it next year. So uh, if it's me, the reason probably why that's no one's talking about it. So if it was me and I'm Jacob deGrom, I'm making the same bet on myself that Aaron Judge did. You know what I mean? I'm betting on myself. I'm going to come back from this injury, from this rehab stint, and I'm going to shut it down. So that's probably why. It's not that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. It's that he's got a player option for next year that he can opt in or out. So do you think he's going to – Do you? I mean, we only he's only going to get probably half a season at that. Do you think he opts in, given he's only going to, that team's only going to have a short time to see him? Yeah, I think so. Healthy or not? Yeah, because I think so. Because given – I think his timeline is going to be, and I said this from the beginning, after the All-Star break, that week right after the All-Star break, like you said, it's going to be a half a season. I don't know if, if teams would be willing to, to jump on him at, you know, a, a price point over $21 million – uh, yeah. You know, for a guy that is coming off a, a major injury, you know, hasn't pitched yeah. since July seventh of last year, so I yeah. think he uh, opts in 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 the hopes yeah. that his performance over this second half of this season is going to propel him to to more dollar signs. Actually, I think. All right, I'm going to hang up after you. I want I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure. I'll hang up and listen. Um, how do you anticipate the Mets are going to handle this the catcher they have in, in Double A? Given that our catchers are horrible. I mean, I know they're not bad defensively. They're not bad framers, but they can't hit. Yeah. How do you envision them them handling the, the kid they got in double-A? Thanks for taking my call. This is your answer. Yeah, Stephen. Thanks for the call there. And you know what? I was looking at adjusted salary for DeGrom. His base salary for this year, this year is 33.5. Uh, his his base salary for next year is 30.5, not 20.5. Just want to clarify that. So, again, that makes it even more of a point that for me to, to say, okay, well, no team is going to want to pay him $31 million coming off that injury, even more money. So I think DeGrom will opt in. I think he'll be a net a Met next season. Um, and I think that's that's kind of period. Stop there. So what to do with the catchers? Well, it's a, a humongous jump from A to the Major League Baseball. So I, I would not expect to see Alvarez, barring any sort of crazy circumstance uh, this season at all, potentially the second half of next season, maybe, uh, in, in my estimation. Um, I'm trying to look up the MLB pipeline to see what they say about Alvarez. Let's see it. Mets top prospects. Uh, here we go. All right. As as I look this up, as this loads, um, you'd have to think that the Mets, you talk about Yankees having, uh, you know, holes in, in their, in their offense and things like that, and 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 the Mets have one. It's at the catcher position. We've talked about this before. We talked about this last week or the week before. I forget now. The answer is simple to me, and it comes at the trade deadline. Wilson Contreras. He's the power bat that the Mets need to complement Alonzo's power bat as I watch him hit his second home run of the night on SNY right now on the replay. Wilson Contreras is the right answer for this Mets team. That's it. That's what they have to do. Make a little package together for him. And I know that there are some concerns about, you know, potentially moving a catcher in uh, to the rotation, into the, you know, into the starting lineup to deal with that rotation and get on the same page with them, you know, so late in the season. I get it. But, again, DeGrom has not pitched this season so far. 
Scherzer has pitched minimally so far. How many starts is he realistically going to get in before the All-Star break? So, you know, McGill, he's been injured. I think it's fine. I, that's that's a non, that's a moot point to me. That's a non-concern for me uh, right now. And if uh, I'm looking at Francisco Alvarez, uh, the pipeline is projecting him to be the ETA in the major leagues is 2023. Yeah, that's kind of what I said. I would probably venture to guess that it's the second half of the 2023 season. So right on target with that, I'd say. Uh, but for right now, and Wilson Contreras, the last I checked, I believe he is in his last year of his contract. So, like, actual last year. Like, he's got one year left on the deal. Yeah, and he's a UFA in 2023. So, you know, he's a rental player for the year, and I think he would be the perfect rental player for this Mets team. Jesse in Seaford, New York. You're up next here on The Fan. Hi, how's it going tonight, Danielle? Hey, Jesse, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, I just wanted to talk about two points. Um, the first being the Kyrie issue, and then the second, I just wanted to talk about uh, sure. Pete Alonso, if that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, so I just wanted to talk about Kyrie because I used to watch him while he played at Duke for the only 11 games that he played at Duke. Yep. So he never played a full season with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a trend, isn't it, Jesse? What do you say? It's a trend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, and, it's, and it's kind of just a pattern, right, that we've seen already over his career now. He's a great player when he wants to play and be there. And um, I think, as you know, the Nets should do is hope that he doesn't want to be there next year. Yep. And they can cut their losses, move forward, and try to rebuild and not have to center themselves around such a player that cares more about himself than the team. Yep. Going out to birthday parties during quarantine and not caring about any of the COVID rules and having to sit out when he came back and disappearing and, and, and all of it. And it's a trend, as you pointed out beautifully, dating back to his days in Duke. So uh, I think, like you said, that uh, the Nets' best case scenario would be him going elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, just my last point that uh, with uh, Pete Alonzo, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll hang up. Sure. Um, Pete Alonzo is living in the shadow of Aaron Judge this year. And um, I, you know, Judge is having a great year historically with the home runs and everything like that, and the Yankees are in first. So I can't knock him for that. But Pete Alonzo is having a very great year. You know, uh, already has, I think, 21 or 22 home runs. He is, I think, going to win the National League MVP, especially if the Mets finish in first place, do what they have to do when the pitching comes back. But, um, I just I wish that he's being talked about more, you know. The fact that he's not first in the all-star ballot for first base, like mm-hmm. I just think New York's got to do a little bit more for him because he is having an unbelievable year. And uh, thank you very much, Danielle. Yeah, and Jesse, you know, that is a fair point and absolutely a fair point. And when you look at the number of home runs, he hit two. What was it, his what, 14th uh, game with two home runs in it? Of his career, I believe it was. I think, I think, I think that's what I saw on the TV as I walked past before. Um, Aaron Judge leads the league with 27 home runs. Then you look at the guys that are in second place because there's a tie. Mike Trout has 22. Alvarez, Houston today. You saw him. He was in the Bronx today. 22. Alonzo, 22. You know, Alonzo's got more RBI than Judge. And, and that's because, of course, he's, he's farther down in the lineup. Uh, and, and the comps... You know, they're, they're similar. Yeah, they are similar in, in numbers, for sure. And, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm, I'm with you on that. I agree. P. Alonso's having a really great season, and, and as you just beautifully outlined, especially if, if the Mets 
you know, really, really take a stranglehold on this. And I'm just trying to look up. I know Connor just gave me the break sign. I'm just trying to look up the odds uh, for. Oh, trying to get this real quick. All right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do this after the break. I just want to look up the odds for for Pete Alonso to win NL. Yeah, I can't find it. N- uh, NL uh, MVP. Whereas Judge is the number one contender, the number one favorite to win for the AL. All right, I'm Daniel McCartan. And after this, I just wanted to bring up this point, too, about the Nets. And we're going to transition a little basketball here. Of course, keep your Net, uh, Yankees and Mets calls coming as well. But uh, can you imagine being named Kevin Durant and hitching your career to an unreliable, no-show player like Kyrie Irving? Amazing. If you are Kevin Durant, go ahead. Put yourself in his size 18 shoes right now. What could Kevin Durant be thinking right now at 11.38 p.m. on Saturday, the 25th of June? I'm Danielle McCartan. Give me a call at 877-337-6666. Let's talk about that next here on The Fan. Hey, welcome back to McCartan before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. Maria Marino is on her way up in a little bit. We'll uh, we'll turn the conversation over to baseball, but of course I want to get to some of your your uh, uh, basketball, I should say, and get to some of your baseball calls before we do that. However, I asked a question before uh, about Kevin Durant. Imagine being Kevin Durant, and what are you thinking right now? And I did. Oh, by the way, I did look up the 2022 NL MVP odds. Goldschmidt leads the pack. Machado and Alonzo. He's in third at plus 600. That might be a really good bet. Hey, if you're betting on Alonzo, that, that might be a good bet at plus 600. We'll see about that. But, you know, Kevin Durant, 33-year-old Kevin Durant, imagine being him and hitching your career, a career where you wanted to prove that you did not need Steph Curry to win a championship. Imagine hitching your career onto the wagon of that unpredictable flake, Kyrie Irving. That part-time player, that full-time salaried Kyrie Irving, who, let's look at the facts, for the Nets, has played in exactly 103 games. He's missed 123 games. Excuse after excuse. And even this past season, even with the vaccine mandates, he was eligible to play in 40 games. He played in 29 of them. This is a guy who has lost his love for the game of basketball. And, and, um, it was Shams Sharania. He tweeted that sources say Kevin Durant is monitoring the Brooklyn Nets situation and considering options for his future, end quote. For his sake, I hope Kyrie Irving is not in his future, wherever that may be, here in Brooklyn or elsewhere. And what is Kevin Durant, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, thinking right now while he's waiting for Irving to make a decision on Wednesday about his $36.5 million player option? I'll tell you what I would be thinking if I were him. What a colossal mistake I made. And I would also be saying, I hope I never have to play with this guy ever again. But that's just me. I'm not Kevin Durant. That's just me, Danielle McCartan. And then there was this report from ESPN Zach Lowe who said, other teams have taken notice and quietly started to plan for Kevin Durant trades. He also said that teams are operating under the, not the assumption, but the we need to prepare for the contingency Kevin Durant is available via trade in six or seven days. Durant has four years and $192 million to go, which obviously limits his leverage to force his way out. But can you imagine, again, this Brooklyn Nets team without Harden, without Irving, without 
Durant. And without a, the foundation that all of that destroyed, oh my God, that is like, that has set that, that would will have the potential to set that franchise back five years minimum. All right, in the order that you know, that you called, of course, uh, Douglas in the Bronx. You're up on the fan. Go ahead. Hello, Danielle. What's up, Douglas? Hi. Um, about Aaron Judge, he is five for his last 31. Now, granted, he's faced a lot of top-quality pitching this past week, mm-hmm. and he did get the walk-off hit this past Thursday, but I don't think he's totally uh, playing in a vacuum. Uh, I think uh, some of this arbitration saga has gone to him at the plate. Um, uh, he's not a 160 hitter, but uh, just over the past week, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just think... I mean, he's not a robot, right? This is obviously weighing on him and stuff. He's not a robot. It's it, it settled. It's done. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. I'm sure he's going to have an uptick uh, coming soon. Mm. Also, of note uh, in the series, uh, I want to take you back to on ESPN last Sunday night, Eduardo Perez, uh, he was a former Astros coach, mm-hmm. clearly a buddy of Jose Altuve. He said on the telecast that 2013, Jose refused information gleamed off of the tipping of pitches. How 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 thoughtful of Jose not to get any? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, how pitches. yes. Yes. It, it was right. it was rampant in that clubhouse, but Jose Altuve. You know, he just didn't want his jersey ripped off because he had a really bad tattoo that no one actually ever ended up seeing. He did not take any of the tips, believe me. Come on. Yeah, and allegedly he had nothing to do with the the, the monitors and whatnot. None of it. Yeah, but no. he never stopped it. No. He never stopped it, right? And his teammates all took advantage of it. Okay, so now, uh, uh, okay, we, you're talking about basketball this hour, and I just want to note that there is a burgeoning Big Three coming soon to New York, Danielle. It's Fournier, Randall, and Brunson to the Knicks. No. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> now, now that I brought them up. All right. So um, it's a default opinion. Uh, my default opinion every draft night within the last, last 20 years uh, that I'm going to feel disappointment with the Knicks. It's an annual tradition. So, you know, um, as soon as I heard the rumor that they were eyeing uh, – Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Mm. I knew they weren't going to get him. He went to the Pistons. I knew they weren't going to get him. And they made all those trade deals on draft night to undo all the bad signings from last offseason. And, of course, I mentioned Brunson. So the rumor of getting Jalen Brunson uh, got heightened because recently they hired his father, Rick Brunson, as an assistant coach. Uh, Okay. And then um, after draft night, uh, Nick's president, Leon Rose, uh, who came out of the woodwork, uh, said that the Knicks have momentum coming into next season. Oh, boy. You know, yeah, these, no. uh, him, him, World Wide West, these are agents, former agents, who uh, represented players who have never and will never come to the Knicks, uh, you know, like uh, Embiid, uh, uh, LeBron. Just yeah, to, you Douglas, know. The, the Knicks, it, that is a pipe dream for the Knicks. And thanks for the call there. Uh, uh, it's a pipe dream for the Knicks. I, I think Brunson, though, I think Brunson's a lock. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's go Mike in Blauvelt, New York. You're up on the fan. Hi, it's been, it's been a while then. I know, Mike. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I had some... Some financial problems with my leaking up my car, but 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 I'm doing. Other than that, I'm doing okay. All right, good. And, 
And um, I want to talk to you about the, um, uh, well, first I want to talk to you on the air in um, Georgia, to which I agree with you 100%. The Yankees are handling it wrong, and, uh, you know, you know, the, you, know, you know, the quiver over that, like the $4 million you said. The and quibbling over $4 million. You're a $7 billion corporation. Pay the man. I also want to talk to you about the no-hitter today. Yeah. I was a little surprised that he took him out. Um, yeah. I, I, a little bit, but... Then again, maybe the pitch, maybe analytics got in the way. I remember the 2003 no hitter. You you were kind of young then, Danielle. I yeah. think. Oh, you know you you, but you remember it, right? Uh, whose was it? The 2003 six no hit pitches for the Astros against against the Yankees. Uh, I was in eighth grade. Uh. Oh yeah, you were young. You were only 14. Uh, but I remember it well. I'm 59, and you know this this to me meant even more. Um, that, that I I love that he brought in Presley Presley to um you know redeem himself after after that horror um you know performance. You know what I'm saying? You're the Astro fan, aren't you, Mike? Yes, I am. Yeah. You me. <laughs> well, I mean, good for you. Uh, yeah, it, that's probably what happened. It was probably a pitch count thing, and uh, and he and he and he did the right move, really. In like you said, in giving the guy another chance. You know, I I do that in the classroom too. A kid gets a question wrong, and thanks for the call there, Mike, uh, Astro fan, Mike. Uh, when a kid gets a question wrong in high school or, or in school, I should just say, and you know. They're really kind of feeling bad about themselves, and then they, they put their hand back up. You got to give them that second chance to redeem themselves. And that's that's what happened. So, um, yeah, good for your Astros. <laughs> Hear the sarcasm? Yeah, Mike. Mike's a good caller. Mike is a very good caller. So, uh, uh, yes, there's that. The Yankees got no hit today at the stadium. The Yankees got no hit at the stadium today. And and can we squeeze in CJ? CJ, you got about thirty seconds where I have to go to break. Go ahead. So I, I think I have what I want to talk about. Right. All right. Well, that's a that's it. <laughs> you lose, CJ. You're out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's take a quick break. We got a quick commercial coming up. Uh, I'm gonna go grab grab Maria downstairs. She's waiting, and we'll come right back up at the top of the hour. Your official station to talk Giants. I've had good talks with KT. I've had good talks with some of the other guys. The fan on 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. City and we are joined right now in the studio on my right. You know her from SNY where she might be on the TV in, the, in a rerun in about <laughs> 10 minutes or so. She's in two places at once. Just kidding. She anchors Sports Night, hosts Place Your Bets, and is a reporter extraordinaire for UConn's women's basketball. Uh, Maria Marino, welcome to the show, Maria. Well, thank you so much for having me. What a nice, warm welcome. See? Love the Beck on the music choice, by the way, as well. So uh-huh. just a just a little shout out there. That's Connor Green on the ones and twos. And Connor <laughs> is, we're having actually a change of the guard also behind the glass. Connor, thank you very much. You do an awesome job as always. Sus, you're stepping in to fill some big shoes, man. You can do it. And your DK Metcalf t-shirt. <laughs> you got it. We've got the A-team on here tonight. Uh, and Maria, what a perfect juncture for you to join. We've got some basketball calls on hold already. Um She's only going to be here for one segment, so get get your calls in. 877-337-6666. Uh, we've been talking at length here tonight about the state of the Nets as it pertains to Kyrie Irving and the rest of the dominoes that will fall in place behind him so that everybody's working with the same information. Here are the options. A, opt out of his Nets deal, hit the open market. B, opt in and accept a long-term extension if it's there. 
C, opt in and try to force a sign-in trade. Ultimately, Wednesday's the deadline. What do you think he's going to choose? Number two, I think, is the best option for both sides. I Here's the thing. You're probably not going to see him opt in to the one year. So just don't expect that. And most people don't opt in. I mean, they will opt out with the intent to sign a longer-term deal. And I completely understand that Kyrie does not want to play on a one-year deal. I mean, most people don't, unless you're like LeBron. But like, especially with his injury history, you don't want to be on that one-year deal. So then you have on the net side the notion that Kyrie obviously wants a long-term extension, but how long are they willing to give him? Obviously, ideally for him would be, what, four or five years? And I get that they're not comfortable with that. But why why not just come together and find the happy medium? We know there's going to be compromise necessary. Why, why not do a two-year deal? Like, why not? Why not run it back full strength? You know, no weird vaccine mandates, which, by the way, roughly 29 other NBA teams did not have to deal with. And let's let's do this thing again. Let's give ourselves some time to build back the trust and mend the, the relationship. It's not a one year. You know, we know you're not a lame duck. We want to have you for four or five years, but we need a little time. We, we need a little time to, to get back to that happy place. But what better scenario is Kyrie going to find? And what better scenario are the Nets going to find? Neither side really has great options in this, Danielle. You're right. And we're talking with Maria Marino here in studio. Uh, you're right. However, <laughs> the guy has, you know, vaccine mandates you mentioned. Yeah. He was eligible for 40 games this season. Mm-hmm. Played in 29 of them. I mean, why not just cut bait now and be like, you know what? Ah. It, it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. We cannot go through this yet I'll, another I'll give you two season. words. What? Kevin Durant. Yeah, well. So... They came, obviously, together. They came Mm -hmm. as a package deal. Kevin Mm -hmm. Durant's obviously committed. You know, he's got four years left on his current deal. And he did that with the idea that Kyrie would be with him. Silly mistake. Well, you know, I I think that remains to be written. You know, if if Kyrie were to stay. And let's take our hearts out of this for a second. I understand a lot of Nets fans are probably frustrated with the Kyrie situation. And, you know, I, I thought a lot about Andrew Wiggins. For, from Golden State. He did not want to get the vaccine. In fact, he said right after he got it that he felt forced to. It was not what he wanted to do. But his desire to win a championship um, and realizing that he needed to be present sort of outweighed that vaccine hesitancy. Mm-hmm. So, again, I completely understand if you're frustrated that Kyrie did not adhere to this mandate. And it hurt the, the Nets in multiple ways. Obviously, it made James Harden not want to stay. It affected the continuity of the team and it put the Nets in the situation that they are now. But all that being said, that's a lot, Maria. But all that being said, you have an, a way to keep Kyrie Irving without having to give up something else. If you do a sign and trade, not only do you have to give up assets that you probably don't have because you already gave them all away <laughs> yeah. in this whole, you know, James Harden saga. Yeah. Um, but what kind of caliber player are you going to get back? There's not, there's, there's just not a lot out there that are of his caliber when he's healthy, when he's on the floor. And none of those other options are going to be what Durant originally signed up for. So I am of the idea. And look, I get that it's a totally a possibility that he does not remain in net. But I think there are 
quite a few people that still, I'm one of them. I mean, maybe I'm being hopeful, expect him to stay a net and there's going to have to be common ground. But does he really want to switch teams again? I know Durant doesn't. So, but does he want to play basketball, Maria? I mean, the guy is a, is a, is a flake. I mean, I would not want to hitch my career if I'm Kevin Durant yeah. looking for a ring, uh, you know, to prove yeah. that I can do it on my own. I'm not hitching it to Kyrie. He's a great player. He's a talented player. He's just a flake, and he's just a no-show. Well, I, I think that's fair to say, but I don't think that's how Durant sees it. And he his opinion is the one that matters in this scenario. Yeah. He feels comfortable playing with Kyrie. He believes in Kyrie. And look, when he, he was on the floor, his talent... It speaks for itself. He's dazzling. He's a great player. Uh, you know, obviously, the, look, the, the sweep by the Boston Celtics was embarrassing on on many levels. But they admitted, both of those guys admitted that sort of that, that lack of consistency throughout the year hurt. Um, the nets in the trade that they made uh, to bring Ben Simmons there, no one really could have foreseen that he was going to have a back injury that was going to, um, you know, in addition to potentially other issues preventing him from getting on the floor. We don't know yet what he's going to be. If you tell me I have Kevin Durant and I have Kyrie Irving, that is a whole lot better sounding to me yes. from a basketball standpoint yes. than we don't have Kyrie. Um, we have Ben Simmons, but we're not sure what exactly he's going to be. And we have a potentially um, dissatisfied Durant. <laughs> I've rendered her speechless. <laughs> it's it's um, it's up to me. I I think uh, Kyrie Irving everywhere he's gone has ended in disaster. Has ended in you know he said she said sort of things. And I just I think the, the Nets would be better off with, without a guy like that. And just maybe just start over. Maybe just you know cut bait. You can get a lot for Kevin Durant. You can pro- get, Ooh, sell see, that's a lot. That's tough, man. That is tough. I know what you're saying, but that's tough. Like, well, I mean, it, he's it, one of the best all, players in the world. And it didn't work. Maria, it, they brought him all here, and it didn't work. It blew up. Uh, I would argue that the Harden part of the situation, that absolutely did not work. He is He came, and he went, and he's gone. That did not work. Like I said before, if... There is a way that they can keep Kyrie and Durant and him can play for a full season, which we've yet to see together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you're talking about um, this story continuing, this story not ending right away. And um, so I just think that at the end of the day, both sides are going to realize like, like even like Kyrie, maybe I'm totally naive, but I would rather stay where I am in Brooklyn in my home team next to my boy, Durant, and make <laughs> what? I mean, he, this player option is for $36 million. Maybe if he could stay on a two-year deal, maybe they give him somewhat of a raise somewhere in the $42 million range oh per year. Who's You're going to say no to $42 million a year no, per two years? No, as a player, no. But as a team, why would you offer a guy who's because, a part-time player that money? Because, it's only, it's, because that's where the two years comes in. I get you don't want to extend him for four years or five years. You mm-hmm. don't want to necessarily pin your long, super long-term future to it. Mm-hmm. But if you say, okay, like two years I can deal with. Because what are the odds? Like these players do not come around often. And so a two-year, t- uh, you know contract is not is not all that long in the grand scheme 
All right. Uh, well, <laughs> in his his list of teams that he would sign and trade to, oh, here we go. Are the Knicks? <laughs> uh, would that be a good move for the Knicks? It would. It would not be a disgruntled player situation without a list of <laughs> potential preferred destinations that includes the Knicks. And we've seen this a few times. And mm-hmm. you know, I haven't seen it ever come to fruition just yet. Uh, but and. You know, I get why you, you got to put that out there if you're if you're his camp. I feel like it would be a complete and utter disaster, disaster. If, if Kyrie <laughs> went to the Knicks and not just from like not from the standpoint of like, first of all, Knicks fans, let's be honest. Knicks fans have been. Oh, I'm on TV. Knicks fans have been she's pointing have uh, have been clowning Kyrie and Durant and this whole Nets thing for years. Um there's that aspect of it, but also like for Kyrie, I feel like that would be like admitting like failure, admitting like you made the wrong <laughs> choice. When, and I'm not saying that he has. Let's be l- let me be clear on that. I think, uh, you know, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. After they chose the Nets, it was like the Knicks were like, oh, well, we didn't want them anyway. Sure. <laughs> like you wouldn't have taken them if they were both like, yeah, we adamantly want to come. And meanwhile, if you look back to that time, there were all kinds of signs of the, the Nets moving money around that they knew that they were going to get those two guys. Um, it would make sense from a, a geographical standpoint. Right. You wouldn't even have to move. Um, it would make sense from a need standpoint, if I'm being fair about, you know, Knicks, point guard, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess it would be kind of a, how do I say, a, I'm trying to be PG, you know, a flip the bird, whatever you want to say. <laughs> To to the Nets, <laughs> try to be careful. Um, it, it would be that, but it would also be like, ugh. Like I'm just ugh. That's my reaction to that. All right. Well, does, does, do you agree with that? Well, I think it'd be an utter disaster. I think <laughs> okay, there you utter go. Disaster. And the Knicks can't afford him anyway. Yeah. All right, let's go to the calls. We got a couple calls on uh, some basketball calls on hold here. So eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. You want to do a Knicks or a Nets first? I guess. Well, that's tough. It kind of depends. But I, I guess we're still on the Nets train, so let's start there and then All right, circle let's, back. Eli in Washingtonville. That's you, Eli. Go ahead. And you're on with Danielle and Maria. Hey, Danielle. What's going on? Uh, listen, hey, uh, and, Maria. You, and Maria. And Maria. And Maria. Sorry, sorry Maria. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, just uh, I have a question for you. Um, the thing is, uh, if Kevin Durant, right, is, is sticking to legacy, right, as all these great players do, Mm-hmm. Like, would it? Like, what team would he go to to actually bring a chip to his resume? Like, if this guy decides to, Kyrie decides to leave. That's my first question. Yeah, where would he go to? I well, I'll let you get to your second question, but I think that's a completely yeah. valid question. That's why I'm saying, like, there's not a better, really, not a better play here for him. And I, I honestly don't think. Um, maybe Durant thinks about legacy, but I don't think as much as other people do. And I think he still uh, feels validated in his championship winning and his finals MVPs, um, even if others might not weigh them the same. So he might not be thinking about that right now. I think he's just thinking about his uh, overall happiness and he just wants to play ball. And like, this is what he signed up for. Um, So I, to answer your question, I don't think there is another option out there that would, really behoove his legacy. And I'm trying to figure out cap space among the teams that could be eligible right now, and uh, there aren't many of them. How how wise of you? How right? smart of you I'm to logical. be looking at the cap space? Yeah, now, I what's, mean, the, what's the second question? 
if I may uh, be yeah, so Seth bold. <laughs> yeah, for, and for Kyrie, like, um, and the Nets, can't the Nets just, like, ha- fine, we give you a four-year whatever deal. Why would but you? Just, uh, yeah, but could you put, like, um, I know there's clauses in, in, in contracts. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. they just say, listen, either you play these, this amount of games. Yep. It, I'm saying besides injury, of course. Yep. You play this amount of games, and none of these little, you know, these little tricks that you pull, because it seems like he his, his life doesn't revolve around basketball. His life right. is not basketball. That's why it was kind of weird to see Kevin Durant and this guy mesh like, like, yeah. Buddies. Yeah, yeah. When that's interesting. They like, they, yeah, they they their thoughts are completely different. Like Kevin Durant is basketball first, and yep. I want to play the game. And yep. Kyrie is like, all right, everything else comes before basketball for me. Yeah, and, even and, money. Eli, he, he threw away seventeen million. Right, Eli. We both like that point. I think and the contingency plan of of X amount of games. The, the problem is, and Maria, I think Kyrie Irving would not sign for that. Well, it's just it get, it gets into some sh- uh, sort of cloudy territory. If I'm being honest, I wonder what the players' association, you know, would have to say about it. Because obviously, the the stipulation is if we're giving you a contract, you're playing games. Right. Last year, let's just be clear, it was a complete anomaly. Like this whole thing with the vaccine mid. I mean, that was just that was crazy times. Like this is ho- hopefully they won't have a situation like that again. But. Um, I know I'm not here for that long, so I kind of want to get to another call, right, but thanks, do- Eli. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, to out to Los Angeles, L.A. Ooh. Joseph, you're on the fan with Danielle and Maria. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Uh, actually, this is going to be in the mix. I-, I hope that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so I hope the Knicks management is listening loud and clear to the fans. You know, they've been able to play upon them always getting support, no matter how many bad things they do over the years with all the egregious news. But if you if you go online and just look at the, the nature of the commentary that's happening amongst Knicks fans, they better they better listen up and realize that fans are tired of all this nonsense and all these bonehead moves. I just want to focus in on the coach, really. You know, there's this um, uh, sentiment that he has of not playing young players. So let's just focus on that for a second. What has Tom Thibodeau done in this league? to deserve such power to sit the kids and play Todd Gibson and play all these other guys ahead of the young kids where we find ourselves in this situation right now. We don't know really what we have. Yeah, Joseph, that's an excellent what question. What to deserve that power? Yeah, it's something that I've asked, not in that way, but, you know, why not give the kids a chance to play? Obi Toppin, Manuel Quickly, why are they sitting on the bench? Why are they getting minimal minutes when we've got to watch, you know, Alec Burks out there and Todd Gibson? Like you said, it's it's ridiculous and and – Someone's got to get in his ear and be like, "We are in the also in the de- the business of developing players, which the Knicks have been horrible yeah. <laughs> for so long." Yes, and, it's a fair point, and I feel the frustration. I mean, I think for twenty years, uh, Knicks fans have felt this way, and I have I have some issues with Tibbs too. I, I question a lot. He does a lot that can be questioned. It's just. You asked what he's done. Well, he was a coach of the year. Yeah, he was uh, a couple coach of the seasons year. ago. Right. Obviously, that team is. Uh, I don't know what happened to them this year. That 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 team is somehow gone. I think Julius Randle wasn't quite uh, playing the same way. Um, but I can I can get with the frustration about Tibbs. He's just a very um, kind of staunch, sort of stubborn leader. But I think he generally knows what he's doing. And I, you know, obviously. 
you got another chance to see what they can do now. And Maria, as we bid farewell to you, I just have to have, we have some breaking news, like actually breaking news. Yeah, in the middle of the night here. (laughs) Reigning NL MVP Bryce Harper out indefinitely with a left thumb fracture after being hit by a pitch in the live game right now against the San Diego Padres. That's too bad. That's good for the Mets. Well, I guess. Sucks for him. You don't want to see people get hurt. But the way you you build it as breaking news, I'm like, did Kyrie sign or something? No, but that's important for the Mets. It's important. It's important. You're doing your job. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) Look, you're on TV and in the studio at the same time. I can't get over this. I'm looking at at two of you. It's It's a power of mine. Look at that. Yes. Well, Maria, thank you for, for uh, coming in so late. I appreciate it. And of enjoy course. the beach tomorrow. Thanks so much. All right. And with that, uh, Kyrie Irving has the Knicks. We'll, we'll flush this out a little bit, little bit more. Listed the Knicks as one of his top destinations in case of a sign-in trade, the New York Knicks. Good move, bad move. I'm Daniel McCartan. We'll discuss that next here on The Fan, 877-337-6666. Now, after midnight here on The Fan in New York City, we bid farewell to Maria Marino from SNY. Thank you for coming in uh, live here in the studio so late. That was live and here. How cool. Appreciated that. Some some uh, dis- interesting discussion on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and what happens with the Nets. Uh, we've solidified that. And, and Sus is here taking your calls, 877-337-6666. Let's look at it from the Knicks' point of view. Woj tweeted... If Kyrie Irving can't reach an agreement to stay with Brooklyn, he has a list of teams that he'd like them to consider on signing trades, including a list of a few teams, meaning the Lakers, the Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavs, and 76ers. None of these teams have cap space to sign him without the Nets' help. So in order to, to move Kyrie Irving, the Nets are going to have to eat part of the money, part of the deal. And then he continued on to say, Woj, is that those are teams who have who Irving has interest in, but he is not necessarily a priority for all of them, according to sources. So should Kyrie Irving be a priority for the New York Knicks? Absolutely not. Stop with this. The Knicks need to make a move. I don't want to the Knicks need to make a move. This is the move they should make. Maybe the Knicks do need to make a move, but Kyrie Irving is not the move. I hate to break it to you, Knicks fans. A, we're talking just talking about the coach, right? On the caller just before Maria left, Tom Thibodeau would hate a player like Kyrie Irving on his roster. But then again, this is a player's league, and Kenny Atkinson lasted just one season with Durant and Irving on the roster before he was fired. So I guess that Thibodeau, uh, maybe that point wouldn't matter. Maybe that's a moot point there. You know, and then B, wherever... Irving goes, dysfunction follows. He told Boston he wanted to stay there, then he left. How about the Nets? He said just in April that he, quote, didn't plan on going anywhere. He then said that he and Kevin Durant would assume the role of managing the franchise together. Wow. And you know how I feel about player managers across all sports. Hard no for me. And see, have you been paying attention to what's been happening in Brooklyn? Anybody that wants Irving on the Knicks, have you been paying attention? He's played as a net in just 46% of the games he was eligible to play in. 
He's missed 54% of them. Do the math. And this is par for the course during his career. It's not just in Brooklyn. You you heard one of the callers just a little while ago say that he, he followed him from you know his time in Duke. He did the same stuff there. Kyrie Irving. This guy averages 55 games played per season throughout his 11-year career. 55 games. Kobe, 67 games in his 20-year career, by the way. Michael Jordan, 72 games per season over his 15-year career. Even LeBron James, who has invented this load management BS, he just like Michael Jordan, averages 72 games per season over his 19 seasons. So Kyrie Irving coming in at 55 games per season, and he's got the shortest career of them all? It is a hard pass on Kyrie Irving in orange and blue. Then you had Woj on TV saying that the Knicks are trying to clear enough cap space to offer a free agent uh, a significant deal. So forget about Kyrie. What are the Knicks' options? We, I've got two, a far-fetched and a realistic. A far-fetched, LeBron James has yet to agree to an extension with the Lakers. He's got $44.5 million base salary next season. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. And yet, Bronny is draft eligible in 2024. What if this is all a coup to land a new king of New York, Bronny, and sell some tickets with Daddy LeBron in the meantime. You like my little pop smoke there? I'm the king of New York. My little king of New York, Ronnie. You know, the Knicks have right now, I think, just three or four round, uh, second-round picks for 2024, and, of course, their own first-round pick. So is Bronny a possibility? And in the meantime, would you get Daddy LeBron too? Would you co-sign that plan? That's far-fetched. Let's not do that. Probable? It, like, almost a lock? Welcome to New York, Jalen Brunson. Not DeJounte Murray. Not him. Because it's inevitable. And Maria was just saying it too. It's inevitable for Brunson to be a Nick for these reasons that Maria was just mentioning. It's 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 not a terrible idea. A, Derek Rose has mentored Jalen Brunson since he was a kid. Two, or B, on June 2nd, Rick Brunson, the father of Jalen Brunson, was added to Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff. It's the third time that Coach Brunson and Coach Thibodeau are working together. Chicago, Minnesota, and now New York. And a little incestuous here, Leon Rose's son is Jalen Brunson's agent. So I'm telling you, he will be a Nick, definitely. The whole thing is incestuous. incestuous. Embrace it. All right, we'll go to the calls. 877-337-6666. Steve in Long Island, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, uh, good evening, Danielle. Uh, you know, I laugh at, uh, I laugh at this uh, from many different aspects. First of all, Brunson is a nice player, but they talk about him like he's the second coming of uh, LeBron. And sure. Steph. It's ridiculous. I mean, he's a good player. He's not transforming the Knicks franchise, which needs a lot of infusion of talent. Oh, yes. But with, with respect to... Uh, Kyrie Irving, I, the Knicks got to be out of their minds, really out of their minds, 
if they uh, try to t- pick up uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, as you mentioned, is a disaster on every team he's played on. He's a great talent, offensive talent, no question about it, mm-hmm. but he's a team killer. Yep. He doesn't. He's just not the kind of player you want to build around. He's not the kind of star you want uh, on your team. So they're, they're a mess. And, you know, Thursday night, it's a joke. They have the number 11 pick in the draft. They need help. And and uh, you trade away the pick. Come on, it's a joke. You try to pick up a player. You're not getting necessarily the greatest player, but at number eleven, there's enough talent there that if you've done your homework, you can pick up a player who's going to help the team. And they trade it away. They're, they're Sounds like they just didn't even want to just pay it. They didn't want anything to do with it at all. Now this this franchise this franchise has been for the better part of fifty years a joke. They they got lucky with the Dave DeBusher trade back in nineteen sixty eight. Had they not gotten Dave DeBusher, they wouldn't have won uh, those two championships. They're still living off of the two championships from uh, sixty nine and seventy three, or seventy and seventy three, if you want to call it that. The, 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 this franchise they've drafted over fifty five years, maybe four all-star players, real, I'm talking about top-caliber all-star players in the first round over 55 years. I'm not counting someone like Mark Jackson uh, as an all-star player. They, they, they've picked up really four first-round draft picks and fifth since Walt Frazier, four first-round draft picks, Patrick Ewing, Porzingis, Richardson, and Ray Williams. Those are the only four real top-flight players that they've drafted in the first round in 55 years. This franchise is a joke. It's a disgrace. And why anyone would pay uh, to see them in the garden, they've they got to be out of their minds. Steve, we're, we're, we are on this show, I am, I could say, uh, solution-based. What is it that this Knicks team could do to get you back on board, because the apathy, I can hear it through the phone, and I understand it. I get it. Uh, yeah, I just uh, they they need new ownership. It's very clear that with the New York Mets, that they've also been in disgrace. But it's a it's a brand new day with a new owner who uh, has a history of success, who's willing to spend money the right way. Uh, it starts at the top. It's very, very clear with all if, in all major sports teams that consistently win have strong ownership, and then they get good GMs and good coaches and good scouting departments and, and good pro player personnel directors. It all starts at the top. It starts with the ownership. They're, they're not going anywhere with this current ownership. They had they didn't go anywhere with the prior ownerships, whether it was Gulf and Western, whoever whoever else owned mm-hmm. that team, but certainly with this uh, Cablevision crew, they're, they're not going anywhere. The only the only answer this team has is uh, to get a new owner, someone who knows uh, how to run a franchise, how to run a business. The one who's running the business now was not the founder of Cablevision. He was the son of the founder and obviously uh, has uh, no real history of success in running an operation, running a business. They're, they're going nowhere. The man fights with Charles Oakley. He yeah, that was a security. such a bad the whole, the whole thing is a joke. And any, Again, anyone who pays for a ticket, the garden has got to be out of their mind. Well, Steve, I hope uh, for your case, for your sake and, and for, for Knicks fans all over this, uh, you know, this, this area and, and this country that, that, that it turns around. I mean, it just – see, so Thursday night I had um, – I had graduation at my school, so I didn't, you know, you can't use your phone during graduation. So I was kind of like sitting there on my hands like, oh, I wonder what's going on in the draft, you know, like, oh, I wonder what's going on. So I didn't know anything. I was disconnected. I didn't know anything that was going on. 
And when I emerged from the auditorium and I looked at my phone, I was like, what are they what are they doing? What are they thinking? Oh man. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's hard to believe that, right? This is the same owner as, as the Knicks as the uh as the Rangers. And just a quick uh, thing that came through uh, as he was talking um, on on online this is in regards to Bryce Harper. And, and again, I'm not celebrating the fact that the guy broke his finger. I'm celebrating the fact that, you know, um, it puts the Mets in a really good, a better position, right? So it was a pitch from, uh, from Blake Snell, 97-mile-an-hour fastball, left thumb broken, and uh, – there was, uh, you know, Harper, this is an AP article. It says, as Harper was halfway to Philadelphia's dugout, he angrily started yelling at Snell and motioning with his injured hand towards the Padres' starting pitcher. Snell eventually shouted something back at Harper, and many of the Petco Park fans started to boo him, Harper, that is. Um, and then Harper appeared to cool down and say, I know, I know, to Snell, acknowledging that he knew the pitcher didn't mean to hit him with the pitch. So it was not intentional, Blake Snell breaks Bryce Harper's left thumb. Oof, uh, that hurts. I've never broken a thumb before, but I did break a toe, and it was horrible. So as I look right now in the standings, the Phillies, nine and a half games back in the Mets. Uh, we'll see how long Harper's out, but probably by that point, the Phillies are going to be dead and gone by then, I would think, with uh, Scherzer on the horizon, DeGrom on the horizon as well. So that stinks. That stinks for him, but it's good news for the Mets. Uh, sorry to have to put, put it like that. Uh, all right, to the phones we go. 877-337-6666. Walter in Brooklyn, you're up next on the fan. Go ahead, Walter. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, that last call talking about the Knicks and all this stuff, and uh, they need a new owner. He don't know what the Knicks going to do. How he do you? Know? you think they know everything? Do you? No. Oh. I thought, I thought you were going to oh, come in and give us a little inside perspective here, Walter. No. Inside but scoop. What, 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 who do you think he know everything about the Knicks, what they're going to do? You don't know until 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 his season starts. He don't know. They can, they can, you know, they can get uh, Jalen Bronson. They probably will. I think he's a lock to come there. Yeah. So all this negative talk, he can't be no Knicks fan. I th- it's either that or he's just been beaten down so long, and that's what it sounds like. The uh, you know of the perpetual roller coaster of the Knicks and the merry-go-round that just never actually, you know. I know it's been a while since they you know won a championship and made you know made playoff like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, sooner or later they'll get they're gonna get there. Sooner or later it's gonna take a little time. That's a hope. sooner. Better sooner than late. Uh, that's all I got. To, that's all I got to say. Did you have a Yankee point too? It says. Um. Yeah, but um. You want to leave it there? Um. I hope. Let's hope they win. Next game. <laughs> That's yeah, you know what the Yankees and, and and thanks there, Walter. You got two perspectives there. You got the the pest, the glass half empty Knicks fan and the glass half full Knicks fan back to back there, everybody. And uh, yeah, you hope the Yankees win tomorrow because uh, they need to split that series with the Astros. They need it. Um, because. To me, that is the ALCS. And with Nestor Cortez, as good as he has been, on you know, on, on the bump, on the hill, as good as he's been, 
He needs to show it in a game like tomorrow. That's like a prove-it game. I think. For Nestor Cortez and New York Yankees. Um, it's just, you know, it, they got no hit. The, the Yankees got no hit earlier today. Or I guess yesterday at this point. Not one. What was it? Three walks? I think it was. Three walks. No hits. One reached out an error, I believe. I saw the error. It was, uh, what was it? Bregman. Bregman launched one. And if there wasn't a net, it would have been launched into the seats. So I think Donaldson was the was the, the batter. But it, it, it's begging the question. You know, the Yankees have been beaten up, on, you know, on the, on the bad teams, the quote-unquote bad teams, lesser teams. It, it's now the Astros, which I think is going to be the ALCS. And here they are. They've lost two of three against the Astros at home. And there was a caller on hold before, and he wanted to suggest – it was the guy that we went to, and then he was. There's noise in the background and all that. He wanted to suggest that the Astros were cheating today with their no hitter. No, the Yankees just didn't hit the ball today. <laughs> That's how it is. How possibly could they have been cheating today? From that perspective, Sus is giving the the I don't know look. I don't have an explanation for it. Do you, how could the Astros have cheated today? I think that's a ridiculous take. I know they're a cheating organization systemically. But how could they possibly have done it? What could they have done? Nothing. Could could they have just like I don't know, put oil or something on the ball secretly? They have like a little vial that's like hidden somewhere, like tucked into the mound. Maybe that's it. That's literally the only other thing. It's <laughs> like they could have just doctored the ball or something. Yeah, it's silly. That's it's- like that's the only way. But even then, like the umpires could easily catch it because, huh, that ball's. Flying, flying over to over the plate pretty weirdly. It's yeah. like sliding so. in an unusual way. There's no way, and you know you're just it's that's just crazy. I think I think the Astros may have just broken like some Yankee fans. Honestly, <laughs> it's just like rent free, so rent free, and you can even see it because like every single time Altuve gets up the bat. Yep. Everybody is booing. They're just like saying a lot of really mean stuff to him. Well, Altuve's on a different level though because he stole the MVP MVP from Aaron Judge that season. Altuve's on just do a whole other level. That deep, or do you think it's more like I? I, I, I think it's more just because he's like the poster child of the whole thing because he had the whole walk off home run yeah. off of Chapman, and then he may or may not have had the the little wire th- tap mm-hmm. thing or whatever it was. I, it could have just been that. It could like, be multi-layered. Yankee fans are intelligent there, Sus. It could be multi-layered. <laughs> I, I honestly, after given what we've learned about the Astros, I would not be shocked if it was a much more complex if, than we originally thought. See that? All right, let's hit a break here. Uh, you know, the well, I told you I'd sprinkle in a little football here. The Jets are set to induct three more players into the team's ring of honor. Nick Mangold, DeBrickishoff Ferguson, and Darrell Revis. Jets fans, did they get it right? Are you good with all three of them going in? Even Darrell Revis, who played for and won a Super Bowl ring with those hated New England Patriots. I'm Daniel McCartan. Let's dive in at 877-337-6666 next here on The Fan. I, 
I, I, this was a song that I loved in eighth grade, and I didn't know what verse you were playing, so I couldn't jump in there. This good Charlotte, of course. And felt more to me like a jail cell, a penitentiary. Oh my God, this is me rocking out my room as like a seventh grader. Like, yeah, I'm so hard rock. <laughs> oh, I love Good Charlotte. I never saw them live though. Anyway, um, Jets fans, I want you to get a pen and paper out or just the notes app on your iPhone. Get down these dates for the 2022 Jets Ring of Honor inductions. Ready? Nick Mangold's going to be first, September 25th. That's week three against the Bengals. Nick Mangold, September 25th, week three against the Bengals. I feel like I'm in class. He thanked the Jets. He thanked Woody Johnson, all of his teammates, and all the passionate Jets fans that bled green. And he promised, this is Nick Mangold, he promised that September 25th is going to be a hell of a party at MetLife. That's his words, not mine. Then you've got DeBrickishaw Berg- Ferguson being inducted uh, on October 30th. That's week eight against those New England Patriots. That is the game that I wanted to see Revis inducted against the Patriots. But the Jets didn't do that. You've got Ferguson, the 30th, October that is, week eight. You've got Revis, the last of the three, November 27th, which is week 12 against the Bears. So I I totally get Ferguson and Mangold. They played their entire lengthy careers with the Jets. They were the first pair of offensive linemen selected in the first round by a team in 31 years when the Jets drafted them in 2006. So you've got DeBrickishaw Ferguson, who played in every single snap in his entire career except for one stupid gadget play. Nick Mangold started all 171 games in his entire career, and both all for the Jets. And the last time that the Jets made the playoffs, 2006, 2009, 2010, these three guys were on the team. But I've actually seen some Jet fans that were upset about the induction of Darrell Revis, a guy who had had contract disputes with the team, who won, as I said before, a Super Bowl ring in his one season with the Patriots after leaving the Jets. And I say, you're crazy. Stop it. Darrell Revis deserves to be in the Jets' ring of honor, and I'm happy he's going to be. Don't you think so? Do you think so? Call me up, 877-337-6666. Let's talk because Revis was a three-time all-pro cornerback with the Jets. Darrell Revis is eligible for the the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. Darrell Revis is one of the top defensive players in Jets history. One of the premier lockdown corners throughout his entire career. And Revis Island is still a barometer or a measuring stick, if you will, a litmus test that Jets fans use to assess every cornerback on the team since he left. So to the Jets fans that I've seen complaining about Revis' induction to the Ring of Honor, the Jets' Ring of Honor, I say you're out of touch, man. You're out of touch. All three of them deserve to be there in the order that they're being inducted, Mangold, Ferguson, Revis. All right, to the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Suss is behind the glass waiting to talk to you at, at that phone number that I just gave out. Let's first is uh, uh, to suffer in New York we go. And Jeremy, you're up on the fan. Go ahead. 
Hi, Danielle. Yes, Jeremy. So, I've been a New York Jets fan since I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Okay? My first ever game was the 2009 home opener between the Jets and Patriots. And Darrell Revis intercepted Randy Moss. Um, Wait. He intercepted Brady while covering Moss. Okay. That was the first of two back-to-back AFC championships rings. All three of these guys were on that team. Absolutely they should be in the ring of honor. I don't care what Jets fans who are upset think about Darrell Revis winning it with the New England Patriots, but Darrell Revis is the greatest shutdown corner of all time. And Darrell Revis is probably the greatest Jet player of all time. Could be. So, really... If you keep him out of your, the ring of honor, he's a snub. That, that's a bona fide snub right there. And imagine he makes the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which I think he will. Maybe not on the first ballot, but he'll get in. Imagine if he's in there, but not the Jets' ring of honor. Come on. Yeah, really. I mean, jo- I mean to give it the other way, I mean, look, Joe Klecko should be in the NFL Hall of Fame, mm. but he's not. But you know what? Darrell Revis, yeah, he should be in both the Ring of Honor and Hall of Fame because Darrell Revis is just that good. Yeah, and and, and Darrell Revis is the greatest. Yeah, and, and people keep using you know the, you know Revis Island as and Jeremy, thanks for the call there. Revis Island as a barometer to measure how good a cornerback is. Is he on Revis Island? Is he a lockdown corner? I mean, all of those terms are synonymous with the name Darrell Revis. I can't believe uh, the, the the hate, the vitriol I was seeing on Twitter. Like, oh, he doesn't deserve to be in there. I was like reading through the comments. I'm like, none of these are any good reasons why he shouldn't be there. Sorry. Joey and Hartsdale, you've got an Aaron Judge question. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'd like to fully disclose before I ask this. I am a Mets fan, but I am just a baseball fan in general. But I'm just generally curious what your perspective is. I think like a dialogue genuinely needs to be brought up on the fact that I think the Yankees are just relying too heavily on Aaron Judge. Obviously, I'll fully agree that they're the best team in baseball. And again, Mets fan perspective, Mm -hmm. I'll still say this because the win speaks for itself. But when you look at the past two nights when they have one run in 18 innings and no hits today, I think that one needs to ask the question, are they relying too much on Aaron Judge? Just out of curiosity, what do you think with regards Hmm. to that? Uh, Joey, that's a good question. Are the Yankees relying too much on Aaron Judge? Offensively, I'm sure that's what you meant. Um, I hung up on him so that he can hear the answer because there's a major delay. Um, but, oof. Uh, um, ooh, I don't know. Are they relying too much on Aaron Judge to get the job done? I, I would say no because... At times, it has been different guys stepping up. I'm thinking of the walk-offs, the, the Glaver Torres walk-off when the fans started throwing the crap onto the field at the stadium, you know, Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think of, you know, Rizzo. No, I, I maybe I can't. I, I don't know if I can put my finger on it. I don't think they're overly reliant on Judge because let's be honest, he's not really – in my opinion, in in a, in a position in the batting order where he can be doing enough damage. He could. Be, you look at Alonzo, who bats what fourth typically in the Mets lineup. He's got like way more, almost double the RBIs. The last I checked, 
off the top of my head than Aaron Judge does. So it's like, I don't know, man. I don't think the Yankees are overly reliant on Judge to get it done. Um, no. Because that lineup is just so potent. You, you think of up and down that lineup, Donaldson can get it done. Torres has shown you that he can get it done. Rizzo is, I mean, what a consolation prize for, quote-unquote, consolation prize for the Yankees. Anthony Rizzo. What, their third choice? They didn't get Chapman. They didn't get Freeman. Oh, I guess we'll have to settle on Rizzo. Rizzo's been one of their best players. A guy can ball. He's a baseball player. So, no, I, I think it just, not that they're overly reliant on Judge. I think that on a day like today, um, in a in a tight game like today, against a rival like they had today with the Houston Astros, I think that it's a little bit more glaring when Aaron Judge, in the midst of all of this news, it's a little bit more glaring when he goes 0 for 4 and when Rizzo goes 0 for 4 and everybody else doesn't get a hit. So, no, ultimately, I, I don't think so. Not at this juncture. Should we break or do my taking right to the top? Okay. Let's go to Raphael in Brooklyn. Raffaello, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So I just, I'm great. Thanks. Great show tonight. Thank um, you. I just wanted to bring up Randy Levine, who I think is the uh, puppeteer behind the uh, curtain pulling the strings. He was hired in 2000, and since then, really, on his watch, they've only won once in 2009. They did win in 2000, but I don't think it had anything to do with them. Yeah. And I think they, he set up the uh, economic structure for them to make a lot of money without winning championships. And he, before this, he was a labor lawyer, and he was a really hard-nosed negotiator. And he's a take-no-prisoners kind of negotiator. And I think he's really behind that, and they kind of fall in with his uh, st- strategy. I mean, it could be. I mean, I mean that you know, 2009. You know, they brought in CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. Right. right. That that was probably the last big ticket, spe- you know, spending spree that I can remember. Yeah, but his his attitude. He was like a business guy before these. He worked for the city actually too, and his whole attitude is not about baseball. It's about numbers. It's about negotiations. I mean, when people are calling up and bleeding about. Uh, judge, which I would too. I mean, I don't think he gives a, you know, a lot about that. I think he's figured out a way to make money for the Yankees, and I think Steinbrenner is very happy with that uh, program. And I think he's the guy, man. He's never discussed. It's amazing to me. Mm, yeah, well, Raphael, good point in bringing that up. But, you know, I, I, this, this Yankees team, and, and, and Marco's in here too. Marco, you got your Yankee hat on. Uh, I guess the point of the caller was, is it the Yankees just satisfied being status quo with making money and not winning? Does it seem to be that over the past X amount of years? Mm, I think that's a little harsh. Um, they're trying. They just make mistakes. Uh, and they're competitive. So it's not like they've... Look, I get it. And the frustration is there. 2009 was a long time ago. And they haven't been in the World Series since. I get all that. But this team is still built to contend. It's still built to get there. They've run into a wall a few times with the Astros. They haven't been good enough. And the, the, I think the frustrating part is some of the deficiencies have been the same deficiencies. Yes, year to year. And that's that's frustrating. It's tough because that's not what you want to see. You want to be able to address some of the issues they've had. 
I think they tried to do that this year. I do. Uh, yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I think we all had enough of the Sanchez uh, experiment, and I was one of the guys that was hoping, I was rooting for it. It, it wasn't working. Yeah, no They way. needed to move on from that. Mm-hmm. Now, to do that, they had to take on a contract that, to me, is going to be, it's difficult to to really justify, but I think they did it simply because they knew they had to be better defensively. Yeah. So, Connor Falefa was an upgrade, and they had to take Donaldson. I don't think they really wanted Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm under that belief. I know a lot yeah, of all the grit. Yeah. I don't buy that. Yeah. I, I think they took it because they knew everything else had to be better around it. Now they're getting contributions from everywhere. They've been a machine. They've been so much better than any of us thought they could be. Uh, the hope is that, I guess it just continues to roll in because guys like Trevino, can we assume that it's going to be all year? I mean, this is a guy that's been a yeah uh, a backup at best. Yeah, you know. So there there's some there's some deficiencies, and there's also the fact that. Let's be fair. Minus a couple of arms in the bullpen, this team has been very healthy. And that's scary, yes. too. Knock on wood, yeah. Right, because you don't know. Yeah. So the mediocrity, I don't buy. They try. They just fail at, at certain points. And thus far, this year, with the with what they've put in the holes, they haven't failed. Uh, let's find out if Jamison Tyone can go the whole year. Let's find out if Nestor Cortez can go the whole year. Like, there's, there's questions because we don't know. I know a lot of people want to compare this to 98, and it is in that regard of, how good they've been. All right. But the difference between 98 and now is 98 had already won in 96. You knew the team was good enough yeah, because yeah. they had done it. Yeah. This team, we don't know. So when they get in the playoffs, if they face Cleveland like they did in 98, down 2-1, or if they see the Astros and they're down 2-1, wow. the questions are going to be this scary because in 98 it wasn't as bad because they had won. This team, we have no idea how they're performing the postseason. And yet tomorrow, or today, later today, 12 hours from now, they're hoping to split the series against the buzzsaw Astros. All right, we'll leave it there. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Carton after midnight here on the fan in New York City. We're in the final hour. That is Pat Boyle is here. He's waved to me through four different panes of glass. He is here. He is taking over in the 2 a.m. hour. A little cameo by Marco there. That's pretty cool. Everybody's back. Everybody's back in the building and it feels great. I love it. So I have been, and if you want to get aboard, Sus is taking your calls at 877. 877- 337-6666. We have run the gamut tonight. We've talked about the Yankees getting blanked by those Astros, those pesky Astros today. We have talked about the Aaron Judge deal and what that can mean moving forward. Do they pay him up or not? So a caller called before, and it was a great point. Put some respect on Pete Alonzo's name in, in the conversation for NL MVP. And a quick glance at the numbers. Yeah, he's deserving. He's got the third best odds in terms of sports books, um, plus 600. And uh, I uh, I agree with you. Uh, he deserves to be in that conversation. Pete Alonzo, NL MVP. We talked about that. Uh, in-depth conversation about the no-show flake that Kyrie Irving is and what he will be doing moving forward. Is he going to opt into the Nets? And, you know, expect a long-term deal. Is he going to opt in for a sign-in trade? Or is he just going to opt out and elect free agency? And the whole thing will blow up 
the biggest. I'm not, you know, I'm no historian. I had never liked history in class, especially and when I had AP history and the tests had multiple answer, multiple choices. What the heck is that? Those are ridiculous. I hated those questions. I hated history. I'm not uh, any historian by any means, but that could be that big three that wasn't the biggest bust in the history of the NBA and or definitely in the Nets, for sure. Talked a little bit about the Jets. Maybe some Giants coming up. Everything. Everything you want to do, it's here. 877-337-6666. Um, so I've been teasing a very special project on social media for a few weeks. And I couldn't tell you, um, I couldn't tell you what it was. Not yet. Um, but it's time. It's time to announce what it is. I can't keep secrets. I'm one of those people that buys you a Christmas present on like December 1st. And then it comes on you know, December 6th. And I'm like, you want it? You want to know what it is? You want to open it? Can I just wrap it? And then you open it and then I'll wrap it again. I just want you to know. So it was very hard for me not to say anything about this. But here it is. I was contacted by 201 Magazine. And I'm not just saying this. I really am not. 201 Magazine is a prestigious magazine in New Jersey. And they are running a feature on me in the July edition. So if you are already a subscriber to 201 Magazine... The July edition will be in your mailbox on July 6th. And I think, no, I know you can read it. And, and you know, they did an article about me. Um, you could see the pictures that we took at uh, 201magazine.com. It's an actual website, 201magazine.com. So even if you're not a subscriber, you still can read it, read the article, see the pictures and all that. So I am excited to see it myself. We did the interview on on Zoom over a month ago and... You know, it's the same thing I tell my players, too. Like, you can tell them everything, the newspaper reporters, you can tell them everything, and then they decide what goes in. So I'm excited to see what made the final cut, told a bunch of stories. I don't know. I'm just excited, you know, and it's the first time I've done something, you know, big like this. So what we did were, you know, the interview was like a month ago. I've, I have I had done three different photo shoots with my trusty cameraman, Matt Sichtermans, and my trusty camera woman, and colleague at school who recently just retired, Laura Warren. And so um, first, the first photo shoot, and, and, and I was you know put, posting this all up online. First photo shoot, Matt and I went to City Field. And then we went to Dumont High School, obviously my alma mater. Then the next week, Matt was a registered guest here in the studio. And we did a cool shoot here too. And I got my hair and makeup done for that one, which was also very fun. Um, and a lot of you guys were like, wow, like that, you clean up nice. Yes. Yes. I do clean up nice. And then finally I did a, uh, a photo shoot on the softball field by school and in my classroom with my colleague, Laura Warren. And I don't know, it's just crazy. Cause over the, the thousand, literally 1000 pictures that we took, you know, among the two photographers, three different dates and one, two, three, four, what? five different locations. It looks like four, four are going to make the final cut. So I think I have an idea which ones they're going to pick. I'm not positive. And I was, and we were gunning for the cover. We really were gunning for the cover. And I didn't get the cover. I did not get the cover. But when you see who is on the cover, 
you might understand. But in addition to the article that, you know, they gave me the table of contents page. Um, and it's the, you know, the runner up to the cover spot, I was told. So I'm okay with that. Once you see who's on the front, you'll be like, yeah, all right, fine. But I got the table of contents page and, and another lady I work with, her name is Sue. She was telling me that the table of contents is better anyway, since everyone just always opens to it. And that's something that everybody seeks rather than a cover, which everyone just sees. So that makes some sense. I think, right? Anyway, uh, it, it's it's really, it's an honor to be in that magazine to begin with. Uh, I cannot wait to see how it came out. Uh, I hope you can pick up a copy of it. Me, Danielle McCartan, in the July edition of the, two, the 201 magazine. Pretty cool. And um, it'll be, I asked him for a couple different copies to be mailed to uh, my parents' house. And um, July 6th, it'll be in their mailbox, apparently. So I'm excited. Hope you guys are too. And I'll, of course, retweet the article and, and, and all that. So uh, save your copies too, if, if you know, if you want. That's it. So the first announcement was that I am, if you missed it, I'm throwing out the first pitch I was asked to. And that, that, was, that was on my bucket list, to be honest. I was asked to throw out the first pitch at a New York Boulders, not Rockland, but New York Boulders game. Pomona, New York, same field and everything. They just rebranded the name, I guess. That is July 22nd, 22. So if you want to meet me, you want to hang out, you want to watch me throw a strike, you want to watch the Boulders offer me a contract that I can't refuse, July 22nd is the date. Tickets are on sale. Tweet me if you're coming. Send me a message. I want to say hi. want to take some pictures. And, um, yeah, I'm just – July seems to be shaping up to be a pretty big month. Let's see what else is in store for me in July and for us in July. We'll see. All right, back to the phones. We go at 877-337-6666. Oh, Paul in Floral Park. How are you, Paul? All right. How are you, Danielle? I'm good. Good to, good. Good to be back on the phone with you. Yeah, yeah. thanks been, for calling. Right. It's, uh, it's been a little crazy for me you yeah. know, with this, with this uh, grub pub job, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's uh, at least it's something. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good. Doing a lot of driving. Good. You know? <laughs> People tipping you? Pretty good? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, very, very nice. Yeah. How, how are the gas prices um, there, Paul? Oh, oh it's cutting uh, in, it's, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, you know what, Paul? The, uh, let me let me step in and say that everybody that uses these, these you know, delivery services, please tip your drivers and please account, and, and Uber too, like if you're going somewhere, Please account yeah. for the fact that gas is nearing $6 a gallon, nearing or at $6 yeah. a gallon. So, you know, tip them well. You know, it's 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 real money that they are, um, it's cutting into their salaries. It's real money. Ah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's worth it. I mean, what the heck? God, I uh, I made some, uh, some good money uh, the last couple of nights. Good. Tonight and last night. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, did uh, did we um, did we re- um, um, uh, with the to- Tony Saragos? Did we? Uh, uh, we did not uh, announce him. Yeah, we did not. Well, it's you know, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. I mean, Go ahead, Paul. Take guy. it. Take it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I mean, what a guy. What a guy he was. I'm so sad to to hear. Did the cause of death yeah. come out? I didn't see it. Um, no, I I I haven't heard anything yet. So we so we just gotta wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I did see that it said that he died um, in his sleep. So that's that's bad. Yeah. Oh God, God. 
Yeah, just like my uh, my my friend uh, Steve back in 2003. I told you the story about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back at that that happened to him. Oh, it says the autopsy um, is 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 reportedly pending. Okay. Yeah. And he was in New Jersey. Yeah. Wow. Tony Siragusa received yeah. CPR at a home in New Jersey before he tragically passed away on Wednesday. Wow. Oh, that's horrible. Uh, Rest in peace, uh, Tony Siragusa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so, I mean, I was talking to my brother and and uh, to my my nephews and their cousin Bart and yeah about it. Yeah. yeah. So today they they love their they love their football. Yeah. All right, Yankee yeah. point you had. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, to, 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 uh, 2003 was the last time they we were uh, no hitted. Oh, the Yankees before I didn't today, see it on uh, TV. before yesterday. I, I didn't did, see it on TV. You, oh, I uh, yeah, I I was listening to it on radio, and I was trying to get to sleep, and yeah, yeah I started at five o'clock, and then uh, it's hard it's hard to listen to the car radio and. <laughs> Follow the GPS at the same time. Oh, I just yeah. can't do it. I can't. I get I get distracted. And, you know, oh, no. because of uh, yeah, we're trying to trying to make a, a, a run in the Valley Stream South uh, from from a holler restaurant, and that was my last pickup. Uh, that was about twenty minutes for me, Valley Stream South, uh, from uh, Dutch Broadway. And I go through the back streets, and I, I, I didn't see a stop sign. But thank God, thank God, nobody was walking across the street. I ran into. <laughs> oh, no. Don't say that, Paul. They're gonna be looking for you now. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, right. <laughs> but Valley State South is, and you know, I mean, I know Dutch Broadway and Corona Avenue, Franklin Avenue, but don't, geez. don't, don't. don't. <laughs> Oh God! Oh. But uh, thank God I got uh, that guy uh, Christmas food to him. Yeah, he was such a nice guy. Good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts about the Jets Ring of Honor there, Paul? Yeah, um, to Perkishaw Ferguson, but how come uh, not um, Darrell Rivas? But then, um, uh, which is a uh, well, Mark Sanchez, uh, unfortunately. I mean, uh, that was no our, our way, to... Paul. No. Yeah. No. That was our chance to win the Super Bowl back then. Oh, it was, with yes. John Abraham. Yeah, yeah, remember those guys? Yes. And then Chad Pennington had a shoulder injury. Oh, my God. Yeah, but he's... That's where Rex Ryan... They're not going into... Yeah, go ahead. What's his name? Mark Sanchez is not going into the Ring of Honor, no matter how oh, close no, the Jets no. got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a good guy and all that, but, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, we had Rex Ryan. Uh, Rex Ryan was the head coach at that time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but poor, poor John Abraham. I mean, we could have given him more money to help us. And then to book a short, uh, to book a short had the knee problems in the back and that poor fella. Yeah. Uh, God. Well, congratulations I mean, to all was... three of them, though, right? That's, oh, yeah, yeah, by all means. But to Ralph Rebus, he was great, yeah. great guy. Yeah, great football player. Yeah. Well, right. it was nice talking to you. Yes, Danielle. Paul, stay right, safe you. out there. Don't run stay. any more stop signs, will you? Right, right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, hon. All, All right. right. Be good. Bye, Paul. Stay cool. All right. Let's go to St. Pete in, and David, you're up on the fan. Hey, how we doing, Danielle? Good. How are you, David? What's going on? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Was at the, um, all three games of the Yankees, uh, race series. I'm, uh, um, uh, New Jersey transplant down in the Tampa St. Pete area mm-hmm. down here for about a year. So, uh, How you like every it? time I get it, I'm always down here. And I mean, great series. I mean, the Yanks won it. I mean, for sure. 
Um, and the, um, I mean, watching that series against um, Houston, I mean, I almost feel like a Minnesota Twins fan. I mean, they are, I mean, they kind of scare me down the postseason. Yeah. I mean, that Altuve, I mean, yep. I know he's not cheating now, but. Uh-oh, David, what happened to you? I know he's not cheating oh. now. Oh, oh, you there? Oh, no, 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 sorry. I thought you were going to say something. Uh-huh. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know he's not cheating now, but, I mean, that that, that guy, I mean, if I'm a pitcher, I mean, I'm just going to, I mean, he's just so tough to, you know, go after. I mean, just with the, that small strike zone. I mean, he, I mean, he's always just swinging and swinging. But, I mean, looking at the postseason from year after year, I mean, I'm in my tw- mid-20s, I mean, they're a team that's going to scare me down the stretch, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm i assuming you feel the same way. Yes. Uh, after, you know, it's funny because I, I was watching that walk-off, um, you know, in, in my bedroom on my – I projected my ES app onto my TV with my Chromecast, and I'm like, nice. wow. I'm like, wow, that – that I went to bed that night, and I was like, wow, this team feels really different. This team feels really special. Right, I think a lot of Yankee fans are feeling that, and then one hundred percent. And then all of a sudden, tomorrow or I guess later today, they are they're looking to split a series against the Astros. They got no yep. hit on Saturday, and it's like, well, wait a second, this team is really because this. I'm telling you now, David, it's going to be Yankees, Astros, ALCS, and and this Astros team seems to have the Yankees number. And and, and again, this was at Yankee Stadium uh, this series, That's what and it scares, scares me. me. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And, I, and you can't even I, you can't even make the argument and say, Oh, it was well, it was an Astros home game and they were cheating. Well, no, it was it was in the Bronx no, these games no. and they're fighting yeah. to, to yep. split it tomorrow or later today. Yep. One hundred percent. that was literally like the whole reason why I was calling. Yeah, I mean it's concerning. They really do scare me. And like you just said, Danielle, I really do think they have the Yankees number. I mean we we, we were the run we, we, the Yanks fans were the ones screaming down Altuve's throat the whole time. I yep. mean, if I was in the stadium, I would have done both, like the same exact thing. Um, but I mean, they it just doesn't affect him. Scare me. It just doesn't affect him. He, yeah, he, the guy I mean, brings earplugs does, or something, and that's it. He's he is unhuman. I mean, I remember him running down from third to home, like yelling at people not to tear his jersey off. Mm-hmm. And he definitely was wearing a wire, mm-hmm. like. You know, a soprano, but <laughs> like a soprano, yeah, David. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I uh... mean, but it's it just like the Yanks fans are just booing, and I'm hearing it on the TV, and I'm booing through the TV. <laughs> I, I, I want the guy to strike out. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's it's just like utterly impressive, in my opinion. I mean, you know, I I just don't get it. But that's the one thing that scares me. I mean. There's no one really right now in, I mean, even in the, um, you know, National League that, that really scares me. I mean, yeah. I, I guess the Dodgers, but maybe like, the, their pitching staff isn't that good, in my opinion. But I mean, the starters right now for, you know, the Astros, I mean, I got two of them. Yeah, I, I got Verlander and the, um, the, oh, I can't remember what I, that, their starter, um, the, the number one guy, both of my fantasy team. And I mean, I mean, they are just, I mean, just, you know, win after win after win. And that's the one thing that scares me, you know, in a four-game series. That's right. Um, but David, that, yeah. that is. The, the Astros are a scary team for this New York Yankees. It's almost like it's like they're kryptonite. And it's, um, yeah, it, 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 it's, um, 
It's concerning. That's for sure. Because the Yankees have been rolling. They've been a machine up until this point. Crushing teams, you know, putting up all these runs. And all of a sudden, it's like that commercial with all the the, um, the credit cards, credit card, credit card. Do, 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 and then someone pays cash and it, you know, every runs into each other in the line and the whole machine stops. That's kind of what happened today in the Bronx. And the day before, well, Saturday, I guess I should say. I'm getting my days mixed up here. But Yankees got no hit. This New York Yankees team got no hit against the Astros. And yes, we'll keep the Yankee calls on hold. Yes, definitely, absolutely. If you just indulge me for a few seconds, because I I, I actually am asking for your help. If Does anybody have any plans to go to an away Giants or Jet game this season? Because I've got one for each in mind. I'm not doing both. Probably can't go to both. Um, but um, I'm asking for your help in trying to decide which to go to next season. Have and has have anybody listening been to Green Bay, Lambeau Field, or has been to Dallas? Uh, you know, give me all the tips and tricks of the trade. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And of course, your Yankees, Mets, Nets, Knicks, all of it. We'll do all of it in the reigning forty minutes here on a carton after midnight on the fan. Carton after midnight here on the fan in New York City, rolling with you, me and you, till two. And Pat Boyle comes your way and brings you to the day. Oh my God, I can't believe I just came up that off the top of my head. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. I probably can't even do it again. <laughs> wow, look at me. I'm like spitting bars over here, you know. <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, okay, so, and and I see your Yankees calls, and, and I just, I'm, I'm asking for a little bit of help here. Um, if, if you'd be so kind to help me. You probably know by now that I have this love of traveling the United the world, but the United States in particular, because I use sports as my vehicle to do it. So I've been to twenty out of the thirty Major League Baseball stadiums, and I and I had to think. I've been to five NFL stadiums, and that never really was on my list, but I've been to five of them, and I'm obviously now I'm like, "Ooh, that's pretty cool." Let me try and get that total up. So I've obviously been to MetLife. All right, that's one, um, and I'm not going to count Giant Stadium. I'm just going to count MetLife. So MetLife. I've been at the Chicago Bears. I've been at the Indianapolis Colts. Let me try if I remember these names. Soldier Field was fantastic. I loved. I was not expecting that from. I like close your eyes, and then like open them, and you're in like a marble columns and stuff. Soldier Field, it's like Rome, man. So that was beautiful. It's right on the water too. Who knew? Then uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, the Colts. I just went to in, in November for to the Jets on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, Raymond James, and I've been to uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, too, the SoFi Stadium. So um, I know there's not 32 stadiums because the Jets and Giants share one, as do the Rams and, and the Chargers. But in other words, I've been to five of them. And so we're trying to plan a trip to go see one more. And it's either going to be Green Bay or Dallas. And so, listen, it's Giants-Cowboys. It's on Thanksgiving don't think that's going to go over too well in my house because I've already had to ask my mom to postpone a few holidays these past couple months so I could take these shifts. And needless to say, she wasn't thrilled all of those times that I asked, but she did oblige. But springing the Giants Cowboys on Thanksgiving on her, it, it might work or it might really not work. And I don't know if I want to find out. My dad seems to think that she'll be fine with it. I don't seem to think so. Or 
You've got the Jets playing at Lambeau Field mid-October. This, honestly, is the one I'm more intrigued by, like to the point where I've actually booked a hotel room just to kind of lock in the rate. It's a free refund if you cancel it, so it's no big deal. But there are not many flights in and out of Milwaukee. The stadium is over an hour away from the airport based on my research, and it's all stuff I can deal with, but then I look for tickets. And they start at like over $200 each starting. Last I checked. Like literally just to get in the door. Last row at Lambeau Field. I mean, this kind of added up real quick. The flights are close to $600, which is nuts. Um, So my brother's checking that. My dad's checking tickets. So I don't know. Is it Dallas? Is it Green Bay? Is there one that's better than the other? I don't care if I see the Jets or the Giants, really. Um, Have you been to either of them? I'm just asking for a little point in the right direction here. Dallas... Or Green Bay? I'm leaning towards Green Bay. My dad's leaning towards Dallas. My brother's a Packers fan. so And also, too, because we bought him a, sh- a single share of the Packers last season. Does he get any? I mean, last Christmas. So does he get any, like, perks for that? No one seems to know the answer to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm appealing to your help. Everybody, okay? All right, let's go in the order that you called. Uh, Julian in Oakland, New Jersey. Julian, go ahead. Hey Danielle, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, for I was at I was at the Yankees game today. Definitely a rough outing, and I do want to get into some stadium talk too. But we can start with the Yankees today. Sure. So I mean, it was a crazy vibe out there. It was zero zero for a while. Cole was dealing, and then they just weren't getting any hits. He gives up the homer, and then you start to think it was a no hitter because nothing was clicking, and Javier was mowing them down, and. There were no competitive at-bats. Like, there was nothing even close to being hit. That's, like, what was crazy about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And and it was like, uh, you're right. Yes, it, it was nothing that was like, okay, here you know, here it goes. Here comes the Yankee rally because it just wasn't happening. And he, he really shut them down. Yeah, it was just, like, walks, a few errors, and the one ball the gal almost hit out was, like, the most exciting part of yeah. their offense. I yep. mean, that it was dead, but... On um, the Astros and the Nemesis, you got to get through them. They've been hurting them since 2017. Yep. Um, I think it's a bad time for regression. We knew they were due for regression, but it just sucks to see them get no hit against the Astros. It's terrible. Yep. They picked the wrong time to do it. That's for sure. Yep, and that's the first hitter I've seen. Definitely not the one I was hoping to see, and it was hmm. combined. I would have rather see a complete game, but I think they'll be all right. I trust Nestor tomorrow. He's pitched good against them. they gotta got to get it done tomorrow for the last two days, though. Yes, they need to. They need to take, I mean, just for the morale factor of it, you know, and the confidence factor, they need to take, you know, the Sunday game, Sunday matinee against against the Astros or else they, they right. just have I to mean, figure out a way to beat them. That's it. Right. I mean, the standings are the standings. That's going to be fine. But they got to know they could beat them and then they're going to play some games right. down in Houston. So, right. And we'll see what happens in the postseason. Now, for the stadiums, I've been to 21 baseball. And for football, I'm actually thinking about going to the Dolphins sets maybe. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, Miami. Same time yeah. zone. Yeah, it could be interesting. But, like, going forward with the Yankees, like, what's the most concerning thing that you've seen against the Astros? It's the lack of offense. Is there anything else that worries you? Yeah, no, definitely. Lack of offense. You can't win games if you can't score, if you can't hit, if you can't score runs. I mean, you saw it today. That is absolutely concerning because it is not, and Julian, thanks for the call. That is, and it's a good question, that is something that is not new and unique to just Saturday's game. It happened in 2017 in the postseason, and it, it's it's back, and it seems to be rearing its ugly head again. So even though the lineup is somewhat a little bit different, it it it's it's a it's a huge concern. I mean, tomorrow, I mean, the Yankees have to come out tomorrow and and ten hits, and then 
I would feel a little bit more confident in, in what this team can do because, you know, the first time that they played the Astros in the first game of the series, what was it, 7-6 final score? I mean, there were runs scored. But you can't win games, no matter, even if Garrett Cole pitched a perfect game today, the Yankees were not going to win because they couldn't hit the ball. They couldn't hit it. And you're right, Gallo, they were two runner runner on first and third, I believe, or first and second. And he gets up, he cranks it, he thought it was out. The the fans in the, in the whole entire stadium thought it was out. And it was warning track power. It didn't go out. And that would have made the score 3-2. And that was, that was, that was really it. Honestly, Jesse in Oceanside, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? You there, Jesse? Um, I, just wanted, I just wanted to talk about the Yankees. Um, I just wanted to know what you thought about their uh, strength of schedule and um, how you feel like they're going to go against other opponents going on forward and how you feel about the opponents that, like at the Astros and better teams that they'll see uh, further down the line. Yeah, that, and, and Jesse, that's a great question. It's a timely question based on what happened uh, now. I was going to say today again, but what happened in Saturday's game. You look at the strength of schedule remaining, and this is according to Tankathon. It's a great question. And the Yankees have the 10th most difficult strength of schedule remaining. 10th most difficult. The Boston Red good lucky though, because the Boston Red Sox have the most difficult schedule remaining. You look at the Yankees, and by the way, Mets fans, listed number one toughest opponents for the Yankees are the Mets. Four games against the Mets. Astros, again, four more games. Red Sox, 16 more games. So, Blue Jays, I'm not concerned about, not concerned about the Red Sox either. Um, yeah, that, 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 those are the two. Uh, the Mets and the Astros. If you're a Yankee fan, you're looking at that, and you're looking at, okay, yeah, the Yankees can take on most of those teams. But you're looking at that four games against the Mets, four games against the Astros, and the Yankees don't play the Dodgers uh, this season because I, I actually looked into trying to go to that game. But um, those are the two games that you're only concerned about. I mean, of course, they're going to lose, you know, one, they're going to drop one to the, the Pirates. and It's inevitable. One to the Orioles, it's inevitable. But the really, the two series that I'm that I'm really looking at for this Yankees team are the one against the Mets and the one against the Astros because based on my approximations, the the, the remaining four teams at the end are going to be Yankees, Astros in the AL, Dodgers, Mets in the NL. And I guess I'm trying to look at when, they, when that, it's going to be in the second half of the season. Okay, that's good. And it's going to be, for the Yankees, they've got, it looks like a doubleheader against Houston on the July 21st. Hmm. That's it. I thought they had four games left against Houston. Maybe it didn't count this weekend. I probably didn't count this weekend. Uh, one tomorrow. All right. Um, so you're looking, all right, July 21st. Those are dates you want to circle on your calendar if you're a Yankee fan. You're looking at, Later that week, July 26th and 27th at the New York Mets. And then again, August 22nd and 23rd against the Mets. Those are the two, you know, the the couple of games that I would be definitely circling if I were the the Yankees. And if you're a Mets fan, you got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love it. You want to take all of them from the Yankees. 
And August 22nd and 23rd are going to be a good litmus test because that's like, all right, let's gear up for the postseason now a little bit. Let's get a good test in. We've got, we made our trade deadline moves. The teams have gelled. They've settled in. Now let's see who can make a run. DeGrom will be back. You'll get to see the Yankees against the really good pitchers and DeGrom Scherzer, who would scare the living daylights out of me in a short series, if I'm being honest. So yeah, long story short, those are the those are the opponents I'm looking at. Everything else doesn't really concern me. Let's go to Queens. Robert, you're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. So I was at the game on Friday, and mm-hmm. it was a t- it was a tough loss because really just came down to that bad pitch, and it, it was all over from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was wondering, like, you know. Seeing this happen now was honestly a bit of a blessing because we have time to approach the deadline. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, this is the year. Put all our chips in the basket. Don't don't hug prospects like Volpe. Let's let's get on the phone with the Pirates and, and look at Reynolds or the Royals and uh, and Benintendi. Absolutely, and, and I think and according and, to reports, the Yankees are already on the phone looking for Benintendi, and so are the Mets, by the way. I was wondering. I was wondering, you know. Who who else should we be looking to throw the chips in for? Ah, uh, I have been a big proponent of his for a long time now. Luis Castillo. I would love to see Luis Castillo play here in New York. Me too, but I feel like our pitching is solid. You know, that's not what's concerning me. Well, you can never have enough the- pitching. Because Robert, let me tell you this. Let me riddle you this scenario. You've got Nestor Cortez, who has pitched minimal innings in his, you know, in his career. You've had Tyone coming back from injury, pitching minimal innings. Severino, minimal innings of experience. So at, at some point, you're going to get to a point, and it's going to be, you know, late August, and like, all right, well, these guys have hit their innings limits, and then what? So I would like to maybe see the Yankees right after the trade deadline switch to a six-man rotation with Castillo in it, just to preserve some of the arms moving forward. And I know we can argue about innings limits and all that, but but that's how it is. That's how it is. And I think having another starting arm, especially that one, would make this team that much better. That's true. That's true. Very true. Uh, yeah, but we we need to we definitely need to take tomorrow's game because it would it would just be completely sore to lose three out of four at home, especially because the one we actually did win was probably the worst game we played, and it was a fluke that we won. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you. Yeah, Robert. And, and that's uh, just reflecting on what you said. I mean, the game that is first pitch 12 hours from now, it's going to reveal a lot about this Yankees team. You got punched in the mouth Saturday. It's embarrassing to be no hit. It's embarrassing to be no hit against. And how do you respond now? I mean, you can also point to maybe the the emotional toll that the Aaron Judge thing took on. You know, maybe. Maybe there's some of that. But these guys are professionals, and they, they know how to leave it at the door. You know, all the all the non-baseball you know baseball stuff. They, they leave it at the door, but they are human. So maybe that had an effect on the team and bringing them down. I don't know. I don't know. But if you're the Yankees, and, and the other, and on the broadcast, they said, I forgot what night it was, the Yankees got in at 5 a.m. I mean, I think it was 5 a.m. Friday they got in, and then they played that game. And and always, too, when I work the overnights here, like when I get up on like 
Sunday. I, I do I do get to sleep late, but what I'm saying is like Monday going to school on Monday, I'm like, all right. But to get up to go to school on Tuesday, I'm like, oh man, like I'm I'm tired. So maybe it just caught up to them. I, I don't know. But this team, I want to see ten hits from this team. I want to see five runs from this team. And I want to see uh I want to see a couple home runs leave the yard. Right? It's supposed to be hot tomorrow or today, I guess, right? 88 looks like on my watch. So yeah. And that was another thing, disappointing thing that the Yankees had. They had a, a fly ball pitcher. And the ball wasn't going anywhere. And it was hot too. And it wasn't going anywhere. Maybe the Astros doctored the balls. Maybe that's what that guy was getting at before when he said that the uh the the, the Astros were cheating this entire series. And that's how they got the no-hitter. Maybe. Maybe that's what happened. But Let's turn this back on. We could talk Yankees postseason, Mets postseason, path to the World Series. I want to turn this back, the focus back on Aaron Judge and and the settlement and what it could mean for both Judge's camp moving forward and the Yankees camp moving forward. The Yankees and Aaron Judge settled on, on, on $19 million, smack dab in the middle. Yankees were offering 17 Yeah, the, the, and Aaron Judge won in 21 they settled on 19 with two incentives, monetary incentives, to become the uh, AL MVP, $250,000. And it was the World Series MVP, $250,000 for that. So $19 million plus. But more importantly, how does that affect everything moving forward? Last time, last, uh, last call, last call to get aboard. 877-337-6666. Sus is taking your calls. I'm with you till 2. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 2 here on The Fan. On the fan in New York City, you know, I typically sit down uh, for the broadcast, of course, and uh, I'm actually standing up right now because I'm trying to cheat my watch. Here we go. I got a stand hour for the 1 a.m. hour. I'm two for two so far. My stand hours, I've been really trying to, you know, run and get myself back in shape here and back in order. And I've been trying to close these rings like crazy on this Apple Watch. And I've closed them. If you're curious, let me take a quick little gander here. So I'm pretty proud of, of what I've been able to accomplish in the month of June now that I'm not coaching and I can recalibrate myself and, you know, just care for myself again, have time to do it. I have closed my exercise ring one, two, three, four, five, six. No, all of my rings, I should say, all three of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Soon to be fourteen later today. And when I play in my women's basketball league, I can't wear the watch. They don't allow you to wear a watch. So that would be what? 15, 16, 17 of the 26 days of this month. I will close my exercise watch. I feel good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing all right. So, you know, that kind of ties into what I'm about to say because it was Friday when the news came out that Aaron Judge and the Yankees settled. I was at school and I said, you know what? When people say that they think they're, when, when they're running, all I could think about is how I'm dying, <laughs> you know? But I, I guess I finally cleared that hurdle because on Friday, I ran 2.16 miles, and, and all I could think about was Aaron Judge and this this contract thing. And what like I, all I could think about was how, what a mistake the Yankees are making. I mean, was this battle really worth picking for a Yankees corporation that is worth $7.01 
billion with a B dollars? Are you really, really penny pinching your, your $4 million in difference? He asked for 17. Are you, he asked for 21. You offer 17. Just pay him the $21 million. I mean, the guy is having an MVP season. It's no exaggeration. Look at the numbers. Look at the odds. I mean, the, the, the Yankees are quibbling over $4 million? Really? A team with the highest net worth in all of baseball? In a stadium that is already full of number 99 jerseys, in a stadium that has already established that section called the, the Judges Chambers, in front of fans that already watched him win a Silver Slugger Award prior to the 2020 season, because in that 2020 season, that was the first time that Aaron Judge finally made a, a seven-figure, uh, you know, contract. A, a, you know, a, 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 uh, what's that word? Paycheck. His paycheck finally for the season had seven digits in it and two commas in 2020. I mean, before that, I mean, he was making like $554,000. Meanwhile, the Yankees are pumping out his jerseys all over the place, selling tickets because of him, and they're really quibbling over $4 million? You know, the disrespect of Aaron Judge, I mean, that followed by the, the fact that Cashman told the world what his his final offer was that Judge turned down seven years, $213 million. And I said at the time, why would he do that? Is he trying to get, you know, get the fans on his side? Like the fans, who cares? It backfired when it happened. It's backfiring now. Double backfiring now, if, if you will, because Aaron Judge is having an MVP season. The guy continues to bet on himself. And I said it when it happened. If Aaron Judge ends up playing baseball in a different uniform next season and beyond, especially the the lighter blue pinstripes in that other borough in Queens, those are grounds for dismissal for Brian Cashman, period. Don't show Aaron Judge the money. Show him the quan. And so I kind of, you know, and on that same run on Friday, I was thinking, all right, well, like, well, why wouldn't Aaron Judge take it to the house? Why wouldn't he sit in that meeting and say, I want to know all the reasons why you think I am not worth $21 million? Just so that the Yankees you know, show their hand a little bit so that Aaron Judge can get a leg up on the free agent negotiations. Right? Because this is a team that ate $50 million to bring in Josh Donaldson, and they're quibbling over $4 million? Because... I don't know. I know Aaron Judge said he didn't want to miss any games because of it. I get it. I I understand all that. But what's missing one game to prove a point to set you up for your future? If it were me, and I'm a team player, I really am. You ask any of my, anybody. I'm a team player. But I would want the Yankees to show their hand now for my upcoming, the big deal free agent negotiations to alert me as to why I didn't think, you know, they don't think I deserve what I was asking so that I am well-equipped the next time around when it's not a matter of $4 million, when it could be a matter of $40 million. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe the the judge camp didn't want to show his cards, but then I'm thinking like, well, it's quite obvious. All they have to do is look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers. So I'm happy for Judge and that he got $2 million plus 
uh, more than than the Yankees were originally offering him, but I can't imagine he's too pleased with how this has gone. I, I'm not I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying that if it were me, and you know being disrespected like that, you know now multiple times by the New York Yankees, eh, it wouldn't sit well with me. Quite honestly, it wouldn't. Not after what I've done for that team. If, if I were Aaron Judge, wouldn't sit well with me. What do you think? At 877-337-6666. Mike and Hazlitt, you're up on the fan, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Let me ask you a question because this, this has been on my mind for a while. Okay. I've been following baseball probably 25 years. Is there anybody in the American League good this year besides the Yankees and the Astros? No. Okay. No, nobody so I would feel threatened question. by. Yeah. So no. here's my question. Sure. So the Yankees could possibly win 110, 120 games. I personally think Houston's a better team than them when it comes to the playoffs. Well, after what they showed so far this weekend, I would agree with you. Yes. Their their pitching is, I'm telling you, they got guys that we don't even know really, but yeah. their pitching is lights out. And they situationally hit. They really do. Absolutely. So, Yanks can win 110-120, and a lot of my friends are, you know, they're go-ho on this whole season. Mm-hmm. They can lose in a playoff. The season means nothing. You got, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to win the chip this year, or it, it, it means nothing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's what they, they put themselves in that situation. Right. And, and if you're asking me right now, the, this Astros team is better than this Yankees team. And I know both teams are going to make adjustments at, at the trade deadline. And of Andrew course. Benintendi seems to be the name that I keep suggesting for the Yankees because he just, he's he at the plate, he's like the anti-Yankee. He sprays the ball all over the field. I like it. Correct. I like that deal. Well, I, let me ask you one more question. Yeah. If the Grom comes back healthy yeah. and Scherzer comes back in a week or so, uh-huh. And obviously, Cohen's going to make a move at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to put the Mets right there with both of them teams, correct? Yes. The final four, if you will, teams are going to be the Yankees, the Astros, the Mets, and the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, correct. Yep. Okay. And then it's a crapshoot. Yep. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate it. I just want to throw it out there. Thank you so much. Yeah, Mike. Good questions. Let's go to Jim in Stratford, Connecticut. Jim, you're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thanks for making it. Uh, uh, my apologies. What What is your name again? I've listened to you a bunch, and I never, I still missed it. Danielle. Danielle McCartan. Danielle. Okay, I wanted to look up your. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, awesome, Twitter. I, I'm on uh, Coach McCartan on Twitter. Cool. Okay. Or Instagram right. or Facebook. All of them. Got it. Got it. Um. So. You know, I, I was just telling the, the screener guy that uh, I've been a Yankee fan, you know, all my life since I'm 45, 46. So, so I've been through the 80s, the late 80s when, uh, you know, I was in elementary school and they and they and they kind of stunk and and went to went to a couple games where the stadiums, you know, maybe a quarter full, and uh, you know, then into the 90s when they were kicking. But I was always like a little ashamed of being a Yankee fan and being looked at as like a front runner and hearing how, uh, you know, the team, they, they buy their talent and, and because the payroll is so big, that's why they win, yada, yada. And, you know, I'm seeing now, like, especially this year, I feel like, um, I don't feel like there's that kind of team. I feel like their ego is smaller and they are playing, you know, for themselves and um, their image, 
you know, they have a clean cut image. They got the whole thing where, where you know, no beards and, mm-hmm. and clean cut and all that. And no names and on the back of the jerseys. Yeah, and I think they're living up to. And like when Donaldson got into that thing, you know, with saying the Jackie thing, um, that was like against like their image. Like that was a no no, you right. know. And and I like how the rest of the club. Um, they supported him, but they didn't, you know, they were kind of like, yeah, that, that you, you went too far on that. You know what I mean? The trash talking, like I say, you know, do your talking on the field with sure. your bat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and so when it comes to this, the, the, the contract with judge, it's just like, come on now, you know, you're looking bad. Uh, yeah. Like you said, why wouldn't you give him what he wanted? Like, this is the face of the team and you're just making I, I, it's like sometimes I feel ashamed of being an American with with the polit- political stuff going on you know and now the the, the abortion Rovers Reagan shot down All right, let's that. not go there Jim you're going no, not, in the deep no, end here no but do you know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. um, yeah so it's like I wish they would just stay on the up and up and, and do the right thing so so I don't have to feel good about being being a Yankee fan. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, so. no, I get you, Jim. And, and you know what? Yeah. The Yankees, it, they have set that culture. They have set that president precedent. And, uh, and, and that's what it is. And, and you know what? The culture is the same on that team. You know, year to year, decade to decade. It's, 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 it's been the same as of recently. It's just the Yankees haven't really won much as of recently. And that's, that's a lot of the frustration. To Sparky and Dobbs Ferry we go. Sparky, it looks like you might be the Mariano Rivera of the night again. You're closing oh, it out. Wow. First of all, how do things go with the finishing of your school? Oh, I, we limped to the finish line there, Sparky, but we are finished. It is done and uh, just relaxing and uh, recharging for, for next school year. Because what you do is so important and very un- underappreciated. Yeah, thank you. Okay, now... This series this weekend, to me, is so vitally important because it proves, in a way, the Yanks are not in the league of the Astros. Because think about it. Look at the way they're losing these kind of games. These are the games now you know they have to do a lot good things at the trade deadline because these are the kind of games, the way they're losing, those are the games that seem to happen when you're playing down in Houston, not here. Right. You know, and that that's that's frightening. And it's like they come up with every kind of play that seems to beat us. It's like, what the heck? Where did these guys come from? I know. You know, and now as far as a judge situation, I really have to ask Cashman if I ever talk to him, what's wrong with you? You're giving a guy more trouble and more aggravation when all he does, he does everything right. Right. I mean, really, what does that guy do wrong? It's like, you got, I'm thinking, wow. You know, it's like everything he does, it, it's like it's near, it, it's near like it's perfect. Now, down the line, I got to tell you, forgetting just the Astros, but they make the World Series. That Met team, when they have DeGrom and they have Scherzer mm-hmm. both healthy, mm-hmm. That scares the heck out of me. In a short series, it would. Me too. Because I, they, I mean, this team really. You see more and more. They're like they're a lot like town bullies. They beat up on bad pitchers. 
they face guys that are half decent. It's like they're lost. You know? The one thing, though, if, if this came down to a Subway series, the one thing that would, the weakness of the Mets right now, and, and of course we are before the trade deadline, the one thing you can do is hope for a short outing from one of those pitchers and then go ahead and beat up the bullpen. You know, the middle relievers, that that's the weakness of the Mets, which I'm sure they will bolster um, come trade deadline. But Oh, let's face, let's face it. You know, the trade deadline, this Cohen is going to go wild because he's like a young George. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, can you imagine got- if Judge doesn't end up as a Yankee next season and he's in Queens? That would be the, the, the move. Coach, I hate saying it. I truly believe that's going to happen. Because, I mean, they're playing such nitpicking games with this guy. He has to be totally aggravated because he's human. Yeah. I know okay. I would be frustrated. I would absolutely be frustrated, yes. And my last thing, you know, with the Knicks, man, they talk, you know, and you hear this stuff about Kyrie Irving. Why do you want this guy? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah. I mean, Coach, what you're talking about yourself, you know, as a team player this guy is so far from being a team player, it's disgusting. You're right. I mean, everything, I mean, gosh, it makes such a big thing about him with the vaccination. I mean, maybe I'm a fool, but I had to get the vaccination. It's there to save your life. Well, you know? we're not going to get into vaccine talk here. They're sparky, no, but, no, no, but, but, um, the fact of the matter is, and thanks for the call there, if you're a Knicks fan, I don't understand why you would want a guy like Kyrie Irving on your team. He has been nothing but trouble for every team that he's been on ever, including this Nets team. He's played, I think it was, what did I say before, 46% of all the Nets games that, that he's eligible to play in. He's played in 46% of them. The guy's a no-show, and, and shame on Kevin Durant for hitching his career and the potential to win more championships to this guy, to this no-show flake. I can't. Oh, all right, well, thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. Marco's got an update coming up in, a, in one minute. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 10 p.m. Great job to Connor Green and to Sus behind the glass today. Also, of course, to Marco Belletti for the first time in studio in a long time. Marco, it was good to see you. I'm taking a planned day off next weekend. I can't wait to tell you why. There's always a reason. I can't just tell you just yet. So I'll see you soon. In the meantime, hit my social media, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going. The Pat Boyle, up next in minutes here on The Fed. Radio 101.9 FM.